Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement that you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. Sports Talk with RNJ. I'm Steve Richer, along here with Justin Anafrio. And before we get into the ALCS and the NLCS, we got to talk about a decision the Yankees made yesterday. And the Yankees decided to re-sign Aaron Boone to a three-year contract. They decided to extend his contract through the 2024 season. Uh, me personally, I don't think this is the right move. I think they should have moved on from Aaron Boone. I've, and, and I don't think Aaron Boone was terrible. I thought he was, you know, average. average I thought he was average. And I, I think the biggest reason why is, you know, he took over this team in 2017. They were once they were one game away from the World Series. And in those first two years, he had two really good years. First two years, they won 100. First year, they won 100 games. Uh, they lost the Red Sox in the first round, but still, that was a good year. Uh, the year after, they had a they had Judge and Stanton miss a ton of times. They won over 100 games, and they got to the LCS. Great year. Probably the best year he had as Yankees manager. But the problem is it started to get worse from there. Last year, they go third, in the shortened 60-game season, they go 33-27. and 27. They, uh, they, they, get, they did win in that weird first round of the playoffs last year. But then in the division series, they lose to the Rays in five. And he made a bad decision in game two of that series, which could have very easily cost the Yankees that series. And then this year, the team uh, the team definitely played better in the second half, but ultimately they underachieved, and they lost in the wild card game. And I feel like you can't – yes, I know Glaber Torres struggled. I know DJ LeMayu struggled this year. But you can't fire 25 players. Ultimately, you have to put that on the manager, and that's why I don't think this is the right decision, bring back Aaron Boone. I just don't feel like the Yankees bring back Boone are, good, are as good as the Rays, are going to be able to beat the Rays, be able to beat the Astros, and be able to beat the Red Sox with – with Aaron Boone back as manager. And you can argue the way the White Sox are playing, uh, the year the White Sox had, they might not be able to beat the White Sox and even the Blue Jays with the year they had. So I just don't think this was the right decision by the Yankees. I feel like they needed to move on. I feel like they needed a change. They need they needed a change at manager. But Justin, what are your thoughts on them bringing Boone back? I 
changed my tone here the last two weeks. Um, since, you know, or yeah, since the last two weeks when the Yankees got eliminated. I actually have now really, after looking back at it and kind of looking back at last year, I put it all more on cash than I do Boone. Now, I don't like how Boone does not motivate teams. I cannot stand that. I, he got to be a better motivator. But again, the roster construction is so bad that and look, look at the Red Sox roster. Who from well, you know, who from the Yankees would be starting in the starting nine for the for the um, Red Sox right now? You probably say Judge and maybe Glaber Torres Stand. over Kika or Christian Royal. Yeah, that DH over Martinez, sure. That but that's about it. Like the Red Sox should be a better team right now. I'd say Judge Stanton and Sanchez. And, so and Rizzo. Bad, bad and, and, and Rizzo. And Rizzo. Over Schwarber? Uh, good, good, point there. Good. good point. Yeah, good point there. So I just don't think the Yankees are very good. And I don't like how moves on a motivator. Again, that, that bothered me. And it sounds like they're going to bring in a new assistant coach that's going to turn into a – it's going to be the motivator, I guess. I don't know how that's going to work. But I put it more in the construction of this team. And I put it more on Cashman that this team just isn't very good. You know, I, again, you look at the back of the baseball card, Glaber last year hasn't been very good. Gary, that's the best you're going to get from Gary. Like, I, I think, we, you know, DJ's having the core surgery. Maybe that was affecting him most of the year. Maybe that's why he was so bad. Or or not bad, but lower than DJ made expectations. You know, so – Again, you had Joey Gallo batting fourth, batting 160. And I thought that was going to be a great piece, but that did not turn out very well for him. Um, again, I'm not a big Boone fan, but I put it more on Cashman. Again, because it's like you bring back, you know, if they fire Boone, who are you bringing in? It's another puppet. It's not going to be a Bochy. It's not going to be uh, Joe Torre. It's not going to be one of those old school managers. It's just not. So that's why I'm, I'm at the point of, okay. You know, this team just was not very good. I think I see you're listening to Joe there. It's like you and Joe are the only Yankee fans that want uh, that, that, uh, in, in, in our network that want that want Aaron Boone back. And, and and I don't. And here's the reason why I don't want him back is he. You know, I think Lemayu struggles. I think Torres and struggles are on him. He's not motivating these guys. I feel like he's just not motivating guys like Lemayu and uh, and Torres. He's just not motivating these guys to, to play well. And, and and the team was really the first half of the year. Yeah, um, Steve's point there with, um, you know, they couldn't motivate, you know, um, Boone not being able to motivate the guys there. Um, you know, and, yeah, I think the motivation is a problem. That's why I'm not the, you know, biggest Aaron Boone fan still. But I think that's what you're going to get from most um, managers nowadays. That's just how it's going to be. Um, I was going to finish your point of Boone with the um, – you know, um, motivation that I think that's what most managers, and I think it sounds like they want to hire an assistant coach like that, but it is so weird. Yeah. I'd rather have my manager do it, but it doesn't sound like they want the top guy to be the bad guy. I, I guess, I don't know why that would, that is, but it just, it seems a little odd. Yeah. What were you talking, were you talking about like a uh, boon was with, about the analytics. Yeah, that the, the analytics don't they don't really want him to be the motivator. They want one of the other coaches to be the motivator. And I, I don't understand why that's, that's why that's what 
is, but that's why this isn't a top tier organization. That's why these aren't the Dodgers, these aren't the Astros, these aren't the Rays, these aren't the Braves, these aren't the Red Sox, because that's the problem. They need the manager to be the motivator. And that's the biggest issue with this team. They need Aaron Boone to motivate to motivate these players, you know, to, you know, get on Glaber Torres when he's not playing up to perform, uh, playing up to potential. To get on, you know, you know, DJ LeMay when he's not when he's not playing up to playing to potential. He's got to be able to do this. That 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 that's why I they need the manager to be that kind of guy. That's the problem with the Yankees organization right now. And that's where, yes, you got a point with Cashman. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand. Yeah. That's where Cashman kind of building this team and all the analytics. And then it's like, so if they bring in another manager too inside Boone, he's not going to be the motivator either. So it's pretty much like we're getting Boone 2.0. So, you know, and I, I think thinking back on it, Boone did a pretty good job with this roster. Like, look, I, again, I, 92 wins is not good for the New York Yankees. I'm not trying to give them excuses, but I feel like it'd just be another Aaron Boone. So why go out there and be, you know, instead of throwing somebody the fire that we're just, you know, great, but it's just going to be the same guy that we just had in Aaron Boone. That's just, just where I'm like, okay, it is what it is. I blame, I put most of it on Cashman. And, I, and again, I, you know, it really sounds like they're going to go out and go get one of these big shortstops and we're going to have somewhat of a different team. but. Again, you look at it right now, the Yankees are the fourth best team in that division. And it's going to take a, you know, a whole reconstruction. I need to get above, you know, the Rays are going to be, the Red Sox are going to get better. And Toronto just needs bullpen help. So it's going to be a steep climb for this team. Absolutely. 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 I agree with that. I just don't agree with this move. I just think, I just think that this team, I think they're just, they're going to be if with this move for the next, you know, three, three years, I feel like it's going to be a third place team. They're going to be behind, you know, either the, they'll probably definitely be behind the race race. Cause I think they're going to have the best future and they're going to be behind the blue Jays. They're going to be behind the blue Jays and they're going to be on either the blue Jays or the Red Sox. That's how I feel. It's going to, that's how I feel like it's going to be. I completely agree. Um, you know, yeah, it just, I get, you know, and I, I see why I don't want him back, and I understand everybody why, and I was the same thing, but I just, I just see it. It's just going to, same thing over, and I think, you know, it's more Cashman, but yeah, it, again, they got to make some major changes here, you know, this, same thing to, this to this roster to be able to be a playoff team and to get Absolutely. back to World Series. Absolutely. Uh, yes, I agree there. I agree there. They're going to have to, you know, figure out what they're going to do at shortstop because, you know, because you, because Glaber had, had a lot of trouble there fielding and hitting this year. They'll probably have to eventually maybe move on from him and, uh, yeah, and maybe go out and get a Correa or a, or, or a, uh, or a Trevor story. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I think, yes, they need, definitely need to improve that. They definitely need to improve this roster. I think they need more bats in this lineup. Uh, I think they need a little bit more, maybe a little bit more depth. In, I mean, the rotation I think is fine, you know, a little bit more bullpen depth. Uh, so they definitely have to improve this roster. You got to, you definitely have a point. You definitely have a point there, but I, same thing. I just think that I felt like, I felt like, you know, new leadership. It's really between, do you want, for Yankee fans, really, do you want a new leader or do you want, you know, do you want the roster to be different? And we have different views on it. You want the roster to change. I want a new leader. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, and I see where you're going with. And again, I was saying kind of the same things, but yeah, I just, I just don't know what a new leader is going to really do. I just think it's to be the same thing. And yeah, I, I think if you give them a roster, with this day and age, again, the playoff history is not great, but, you know, again, I'd just rather run it back with them and just hopefully, you know, teams like they kind of figured out that we need to fix this roster. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. But we got to talk about teams that are in the playoffs. We got to talk about last night, and we talked about last night the Astros, even the series with the Red Sox at two games apiece. I mean, Red Sox were up two one for most of that game, and then Jose Altuve he's had some huge, he's had some huge hits in this series. Had that huge hit in Game One, that huge two run homer in Game One, had a huge uh, solo home run last night, and then uh, and then you know Jason Castro comes off the bench, gets that gets that hit to put the Astros in front. And then pretty much Michael Brantley put the game away with that three-run double. And the Astros tie the series at two games apiece. I think the big story in the series for the Red Sox has been has been their offense. Three grand slams. That is absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, you have the two grand slams by uh by uh by Dever by JD and uh Devers in uh in, in game one. Again in game two, my bad there. And in game three, you had that big grand slam by Schwarber. So you had those three huge grand slams. And then the Red Sox starting pitching has not been that poor in this series. Outside of Chris Sale, they've all gone more than five innings. And today, in, in this postseason, if you can go more than five innings, that's considered a good start. I mean, I mean, Evaldi did in game two. Uh, uh, Pavetta did last night in Aguar, and Rodriguez did in uh, in game three. So, you know, if you can go more than five innings, that's considered a good start. Because considered a good start. Because you look at the Astros rotation, it's been a disaster. They haven't had a start to go more than three innings in this series. And then and then, and then, then you look at the bullpen. Uh, the, uh, that, that's the one concern with the Red Sox. Last night was the third time the Red Sox have had a lead going into the eighth inning in this postseason, and they haven't been able to hold it. Those two games against the Rays, they ended up winning them, but they, they lost those two. They, they didn't lose them, but they, they, but they, but they, they had, did have a lead in the eighth inning, and they gave up a lead in the eighth inning in both those wins at Fenway against the Rays. And then and then last, last night, it came back to bite them because they gave up the lead in the eighth inning, and then they gave up seven runs in, in, the, in, in, the, in the ninth inning. So the biggest concern going so uh, uh, right now for the Red Sox is their bullpen, and for the Astros, their offense has been you know hot, hot and cold. I mean, Altuve's been really Altuve's had some huge hits. Correa had that big hit in, in, in game uh, in, in game one, and then uh, Brantley had that huge hit last night. So their offense has been hot and cold. Their bullpen has been good. I think their bullpen is the reason why they're still in this series. They, they didn't get swept. Their bullpen has been – it was really good in game one, and it was really, really good last night. Granky didn't last long last night, but their bullpen was outstanding last night. And I think uh, – the but, and, but the problem is their starting pitching has been absolutely terrible. It has been terrible in this series, and they need to get length out of the starting rotation because their bullpen is completely burned out. So right now I would say – Offensively, I think you give the Red Sox the edge. The starting pitching, you give the Red Sox the edge. And the bullpen, you give the Astros the edge. So it's a 2-2 series. It could go either way. But even though the Red Sox got the edge offensively and got the edge with, with their starting pitching, I just feel like with the matchup today, I just don't feel like Chris Sale's getting it done. And I feel like that uh, in game six, the Astros will win at home. I Right now, I, I, I had said Astros in six from the start. I'm still going to go Astros in six. I'm actually going to take the Red Sox at seven. I think their pitching sets up – I mean, the Red Sox – I mean, I'm going to take the Red Sox at seven. I think their pitching still matches up a little bit better. Now, sales sounds like today, again, it sounds like Core wants nine outs. Just give me everything you got, empty the tank, and then Tanner Houck's going to piggyback off of that. And uh, he's pretty fresh, so, like, I, you're going to probably see Houck go for as long as he can. But, again, it's like you're throwing a rookie out there who's been good all year, but he's a rookie going in a postseason game. And now a best out of three. So you never know what could happen, but sounds like sales, they're just going to try to get at least nine outs from them this afternoon. Um, but yeah, it's been hot. It's been hot and cold for the Astros. Like Bregman really hasn't gotten going. Um, but yeah, Correa with the big couple of hits, you know, the Red Sox have uh, 21 home runs, which is the most all time in the pro season. And they played nine games. 
So they've just been on fire. And I guess that's like last night after, you know, they were 0 for 9 last night runners in scoring position. That's not going to get it done against an Astros team that you knew their offense was going to break out at some point. They're just too good not to. But right now this Red Sox lineup is just so nasty. And, you know, it, it, and you can see by the way the Astros, especially the starting of pitching, they, they, you know, are afraid to come inside the zone. You know, the, and the Red Sox, you know, have done a pretty good job of laying off and, and getting walks. But, like, th- this lineup, and you figure at some point, too, like the Red Sox lineup has to cool off because they have just been all so red hot right now. Um, but it's been a good series. Yeah, like Christian Javier last night for the Astros absolutely saved that saved their season um, with the performance he put in after they, they had the full breaking in the second inning. So he was huge. It gave them a huge boost in that bullpen that they kind of gave some other guys – couple of nights you know a night off but uh yeah right now i still think the the red sox pitching still sets up a little bit better because they still do have nathan obaldi who's still gonna probably go game six yeah yeah but the thing is though they used the last night they burned him out a little bit last night because they used him out of the bullpen last night even though he is going to go game six they used him last night and i don't know if Evaldi's going to pitch well again especially especially going into houston say houston wins this game and they got all the momentum coming home I don't think Evaldi's going to pitch. Could, 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 he could not pitch well in Game Six, so it's it definitely could. This series obviously can definitely go you know either way. I think I think obviously after you know Monday night you thought the Red Sox definitely had the advantage, and most and and for most of the game last night you thought the Red Sox had the advantage. But you know why Jose Altuve is so great in the postseason is what he did last night. That shows you why he's he's, he's amazing. Is he he could very easily have turned that he very easily could turn the series around with that home run. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, you looked at uh, game three the other night and it kind of looked like that, that, um, like the dugout was dead. Like they kind of looked defeated. And, yeah, when Altuve hit that home run last night, tied up at two, you kind of just saw that um, they, they got going in the seven run out, out first in the ninth inning. And again, like you give like that Astros team confidence like the Red Sox did last night. Um, like they, they usually do not give it back very easily. And, you know, that that's, they usually take off and run with it you know, Houston does. So yeah, like I, I could see the Astros now kind of getting that offense going. It sailed tonight. Um, uh, you know, wasn't great in game one. Um gave up five hits, only gave up one run. But again, it's an Astros team that again they're they're usually deadly against anybody. So yeah, I could see the Astros getting him and then, you know, Evaldi kind of got into trouble early last night and then again that Drake call uh or that ball should have probably been a strike, but he had his zone was bad all night. I think he missed like 21 calls. Um, he was he was the sixth worst umpire calling balls and strikes this year. So I don't get why he's even doing the game, but that's beyond me. Um, but yeah, like it, the Astros kind of took advantage of that, and they you know absolutely just you know uh, took advantage of the bad call and and uh, went to work and they were able to put up seven runs against them. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think that this lineup is starting to get hot, though. And and I mean, that that's why I feel like the game plan has got to be different for the Red Sox. They got to have Chris Sale come out and go as far as he can. If he's considered supposed to be considered one of the top pitchers on this team, he's got to go as far as he can. He, he can't be just give me three innings because I just don't. Tr- after what I saw last night, I have trouble trusting this Red Sox bullpen against this Astros offense. Yeah, and I think they're still kind of trying to protect the the elbow from Tommy John, and I they they don't want you know in a high pressure game like this, they don't want to like you know they're still thinking about the future of Chris Sale, and I and it's kind of like okay because it, it sounds like Core pretty much said like you know just just throw you know 
everything you got in the tank, just use it in the first, you know, just to get the nine out. So, you know, I don't think they want to put too much pressure on the elbow right yet right now. And they, they're kind of, I think they're, they're kind of just playing with house money still. It, it really seems like, and you know, they have Hauk that's available. So they feel like, okay, we can get three from him. We, we can throw Hauk for four or five innings. And I, and I get what you're saying, you know, Hauk's been good, but look, yeah. He, and I said it, you know, he's still a rookie, you know, he could get hit hard tonight and yeah, it, it could blow up, you know, some, um, it, it could really blow up their plan. So I hear you, but they just don't, they're not there yet with Chris Sale to kind of just unleash them yet. Um, they're still kind of worried about coming off Tommy John. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you kind of have to, you don't want to, you know, mess up his entire career, but, but still you would think, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to win a championship here. You know, you, you would try to pitch him, you know, as long as you can, but I think, you know, upstairs again, just like with the Yankees upstairs is probably managing what they want to do. Especially, I think Pine Blue is pretty much managing what the Red Sox want to do with Chris Sale. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you there. I think they do. You know, they yeah. Now it wasn't Bloom that gave him the extension; it was Dombrowski. But yeah, still, like you still have four more years of this guy. You know, getting thirty million. You know, you you'd rather have him there. You know, pitching now. You usually you do pay him for moments like this in a big game five to two two. You know, but yeah, it's you know you would think they want to let him loose. I, I get it with the Tommy John. Um, you know, the last few starts, like you go back to that O start back in like the. Um, or the national start, the last uh, yeah, that was terrible. That national start was terrible. Dever saved him in the ninth inning in that game. Yeah, yeah. So he hasn't really been the same since he kind of got um, you know, the race kind of got him. Uh, believe it was game two. Yeah, that yeah, game two when it was five nothing. Like he hasn't been great. Like we haven't seen the lights out, Chris Sale. Um, too. So I think you know they're kind of hope just get us one time around and then you know. Go go from there with with Hauk. I think they're they're pretty confident that Tanner Hauk could, you know, shut down their at least slow down this Astros lineup enough, you know, with the Red Sox offense to hopefully you know give them a win. And Hector just put a comment. I think whoever wins tonight wins and wins the series in seven. I mean, I, yeah, I think that's that, that, that that's very that, that could very that could very easily be true because you know, like for, we'll say say the Red Sox win tonight, you know, the Astros in a doer size situation at home they they could they could win, but then. If you go into Game Seven, also you know, you, you know we have Eduardo Rodriguez against uh, against uh, it's, uh, Coast, um, your Kitty, your Kitty, and uh, yeah, I mean your Kitty didn't not pitch well at all in, in Game Three, so so I, I could definitely see the Red Sox winning in seven, and then on the side for the on the on the Astros side, you know, you got uh, you obviously if, if if the Astros win tonight in Game Six, you got Evaldi against. Uh, against Garcia and Garcia didn't pitch well in game two either. So, uh, and then, but, but you could also see, you know, Iguardo Rodriguez not pitching well in game seven. So I very easily could see that scenario happen. Whoever wins tonight wins it in seven. Yeah, absolutely. I could see it too. Cause yeah, you know, of all the, yeah, sure. Last of the pen, but been good, you know, mostly, um, you know, the rest of the playoffs so far and you go back to 18 when he pitched, pitched well, you know, probably got him that contract back to 2018. So yeah, I could see it. Because they got Turkiti and Garcia very early in both those games. And, you know, I could see the Red Sox not having confidence. In the last two starts, Erod's been really good and has looked good. And, you know, guy that, you know, free agent's going to need the money or, you know, going to want, you know, the money and would be a huge start for him in game seven. But, yeah, like we've seen Erod struggle. You know, you saw game one against the Rays where they tattooed him. Again, it's not out of the realm of possibility to get, you know, see 
Erod got rocked. But yeah, I could see because both pitchers, you know, Luis Garcia has yeah, struggled as well. Getting some ball, yeah, he struggled out of the pen. You could see him struggle um, game six. But yeah, I, I think whoever does one tonight, it could find definitely find a way to win in game seven. So to recap, I still got the Astros in six because I'm stubborn. And that's what I predicted, you know, before the series. Justin, you got the Sox in seven, right? Yep. Yeah, I'll take Sox seven. Got it, got it, got it. It'll be interesting to see what happens these next couple games. We'll see which team will represent the American League in the World Series. But now we're going to shift over to the National League, and it looked like the Braves were going to sweep the sweep sweep the uh, sweep the Dodgers. They had a five two lead last night in the eighth inning, but Cody Cody Bellinger did not have a good year. Has not had a good year all year, but he came through huge. Came up big last night with that huge three run homer in the eighth inning to, get, to tie the game, and then Mookie Betts hits the RBI double to give the Dodgers the lead, and eventually the Dodgers win, and they're right back in the series as they won 6-5, and, and uh, obviously the Braves went up too well. Austin Riley came up huge for them, Eddie Rosario in game two. But, Justin, with the Dodgers winning this game last night, do how much does this increase their chances of winning this series? I think big, you know, I last year too, Braves were up 2-0, and even 3-1, and they couldn't hold on. And I think, you know, they had the, they, they had the Dodgers pretty much – dead last night, you know, five, nothing. And the bullpen just, you know, they couldn't finish it off. Um, you know, and Bellinger, yeah, who's had it such a, you know, horrible year, but playoff so far, it's been great. And, you know, you even go back to last year against, against the Braves, he had a really good series, including the two home run game he had in game seven last year, you know, um, he's already got four BIs or four home run or yeah, four home or, you know, he's already got one home run, but, um, you know, there are six RBIs, one home run, six RBIs. He's batting 300. Um, he's been great so far in the postseason. He's, you know, and that's a scary thing with the Dodgers lineup, which the Braves are going with a bullpen game, I believe, tonight. I don't think they have announced who's starting out of the bullpen, but it's going to be a bullpen game against Julio uh, Urias. So it, it, tonight's going to be a tough one. Um, uh, because Moore pitched well, and you kind of thrown out that, that start that he kind of gave you there. Um, they do have Max Free tomorrow, so you know they they could go back to Atlanta, possibly up three two. But I don't feel very good about it. I, I think the Dodgers now, I, I think have a lot of confidence, and I, I think the Braves now, even though they're like the big underdogs in the series, only having like eighty eight wins, I still think there's some pressure on them now to really have to win tonight because you know Dodgers kind of sweep get tomorrow as well. Now you're down three two. And it's kind of like, okay, just like last year where they, they kind of had the Dodgers beat and they just could not hold on and they blew the 3-1 lead, lead last year. So I really feel better about the Dodgers' chances. Kenley Jansen has struck out 10 of his last 15, last 15 batters he's faced. Dodgers' bullpen's been pretty good in the back end. So I feel pretty good right now that Dodgers are going to find a way to win the series. Two things. Number one, I do. Uh, I'll, I will say there is a lot of pressure on the Braves because obviously what happened last year. I mean, you can't blow another 2-0 series lead in the NLCS when you're right. I know they lost to Cunha. I know they're a huge surprise getting here after losing Cunha, but there is still pressure on them. Blow, you know, if they if they blow another 2-0 lead to the Dodgers in the NLCS, but I do I do think they're going to win this series, and here's why: uh, Bueller and and uh, Bueller and uh, 
and Scherzer have not given the Dodgers length in the series. They, they really haven't. And uh, I really like the Braves matchup in game five because I'm pretty sure Urias is pitching tonight, today for the Dodgers. Yep. I'm pretty sure he's going today. I know the Braves are doing a bullpen game, so I do think the Dodgers even the series today. But I do like the matchups in, in, game, in, in game five. In, in, I do like the matchups in game five and in game six. Scherzer was, I know Scherzer was not great in game in, in, in game uh in game two, as you heard the rumors about it, is, is dead arm. And I think I think that I think Atlanta, I think they win game five and I think they close it out. I think they do it. I think they win it in game six. I, I feel like because I just don't think I think I think I don't think Scherzer is, I don't know what Scherzer we're going to get in game six. That's my biggest reason why I feel like Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta is going to go to the World Series, even though they blew the game yesterday. I think I think they lose today. I do think they bounce back and win and win game five and game six and go on to the World Series. And I think and another reason for it is I think is because of their offense. I, I really like the way Austin Riley's hitting the ball. You can rely on Jack Peterson to get big hits in the postseason. And really outside of that, you know, outside of the eighth inning, the Dodgers' offense hasn't been that great. I mean, they're lucky Cody Bellinger has bailed them out a couple of times. But their offense just hasn't been great in this postseason. No, it hasn't. It really hasn't. Um, you know, Mookie, as you mentioned, you know, had the big hit yesterday. But yeah, like you know, Justin Turner hasn't got going, and he's really been a good postseason hitter. He really hasn't gotten going so far. Um, you know, Chris Taylor's batting like three twenty, but like he's down towards the bottom. But yeah, like they haven't gotten it from their big bat so far. Um, you know, like Pujols two for ten so far. Trey Turner's batting two hundred right now in the postseason. So. Yeah, they really haven't gotten that lineup. That potent lineup hasn't really done a ton of damage, especially in the series until, yeah, the Belger home run. Um, and yeah, like Jack Peterson, another big, uh, uh, big hit yesterday and facing his former team. You know, he's gonna be fired up, wanting to send a statement to the uh, to his former teammates in the Dodgers organization. Um, but yeah, like I, you know, again, I, I. Because the Braves were my World Series pick, and I really didn't think in May they'd be at this point right now. Um, yeah, you probably thought in July that there was no okay. way they were getting to this point when Acuna no. went down. No, I saw that. I was like, it, I, it looked pretty bleak at the time before, right before he got hurt. But when he got hurt, I'm like, okay, that that that's fine. That's that's over. But it, yeah, so it's been crazy, and it's a team that you know has believed since like the trade trade deadline. They got a lot of pieces. You know, they lost Ozuna too. It was great last year for him. Um, you know, again, their their pitching's been been good. The lineup really got going. They got like Travis Darno back towards the end of the year. That's really helped. Um, Tyler Mazik out of the bullpen's been great in the postseason. So yeah, like, I I could see the Braves just kind of finding a way because it just you know all the moves that they did it really showed this team and it showed the uh, team that the organization kind of believed that they could get this thing done. And you're kind of really seeing it. And I know. Probably the before, you know, especially, you know, playing with how it's money, but then you go up 2-0 and that happens, and now it's 2-1 and kind of the pressure turns back to you. So we'll see what they do tonight. But um, I do still think the Braves have a chance. Uh, I, I'm hedging my bet here, and I'll take, like, the Dodgers and win this thing at seven. Um, I, I think the Dodgers do somehow find a way. And I know Scherzer with the dead arm rumors. Uh, He's not looked good, but like I feel like in a big, big game, like a big game six where they need it, I, I feel like Max Scherzer is going to give you everything else, everything he's got left. I, I feel like Max Scherzer would give you in a game six. Yeah, we'll see there. And and my World Series pick was the Dodgers. Funny, these are both of our World Series picks. My World Series pick was the Dodgers. I mean, I won't bring up. I think our both of our American League picks. We'll never pick this yeah. team for a while to get to the World Series. Yeah. Pick the Yankees get to the World Series. We're not picking them for a while yet. So the Dodgers were my pick, but. 
I just think the Braves and, and and I just think that I just think they've been resilient all year. They've been counted out all year, and I just think even if they lose tonight, I still think they win the series. And you made a really good point about how they how the front office believed in this team. When Acuna went down, they very easily could have been sellers, but they went out and really re- retooled their outfield. Went out and got got a Jack Pe- right after immediately immediately after they got Jack Peterson. They went out and got Jorge Salar. They went out and got a. Uh, they went out and got Eddie Adam Rosario. Duvall and Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario, I mean, both of those guys have contributed. Duvall's contributed. Yeah. Uh, Salar's contributed. And Peterson contributed. And Ros- and uh, Rosario got that humongous hit. And game- he got the game winning in game two. So, really, big credit. give a lot of credit to that Braves front office. And I just think they've been counting out all year. And that's why I got him winning it in six, winning the series in six right now. Yeah, I could see it. I'd love to see him win game six. I'd love to see the Braves get back to World Series. They've been close so many times, it feels like, in, in this deck. And or you know in the century, but yeah, you know, I, um, you know, yeah, like all, all the, you know, they've had some big hits from guys that they brought in. Um, I still think the Dodgers just have too much, have a little bit too much for them. I think they find a way to win this thing in, in seven games. Um, you know, they it, it, and it'd be Bueller again, probably going game seven. So you feel like too, like he's gonna give a much better performance, even though against Morin, who's a really good big game pitcher. I feel like Dodgers will find a way to win in game seven on the road. It'll be interesting to see what happens between these two teams. Obviously, the rematch of the NLCS. We'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens in the ALCS. But we got to shift over to the NFL. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Clovercrest Media. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside sweating those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. That is Mosquito Shield. Make sure you sign up and tell them that Sports Talk with RJ sent you, and you will get a discount. So that so make sure you sign up for Mosquito Shield. So we're going to call a little bit of an audible here. I know I'm going to throw Justin a little bit of a curve here. We got a comment from Xander, you know, saying, "How about those Cowboys?" So so even though the Cowboys are on a bye week, and we got but we we got to cater to our audience. I know you might not like this, Justin. We got to cater to our audience. We got to talk a little bit about the Cowboys being five and one. And uh, to me, I am surprised about. We'll get we'll get into the week we'll get into the week seven games. Don't worry about it. But uh, we'll talk about the Cowboys starting five and one. Obviously, beat the Patriots on Sunday. You know, 35-29 in overtime. And I feel like you know, I think this Cowboys team 
is a Super Bowl contender. I think uh, not because of the head coach, but I think because of the talent on the roster. I think Dak Prescott's played really well. I think Ezekiel Elliott's found his form. I think this offensive line, Tyron Smith, that's been a key. Tyron Smith has found his form. He's played really. He's back to that. He's been, he's back at that elite level. This is the best he's played in in, in four or five years. He's been playing really well. Uh, and 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 obviously the biggest reason is because of the way they played on the defensive side of the ball. Randy Gregory has been really good, as you saw in that game, as he got to Mac Jones a couple times. Micah Parsons really good at at, at a at middle linebacker and Trayvon Diggs. I I don't think he's as great as people think he is, but he's still a very good corner. Yes, he got beat by Kendrick Bourne on Sunday, but still a very good corner. And the Cowboys right now sitting at five and one. And the big question we got to ask, are they for real? I hate to say this as a Giants fan. I think they're for real. Justin, do you agree? You know, first that was a, yeah, you know, good game Sanders Sunday. Uh, That was a, that was a tough one. Another heartbreaking loss to the Patriots. It's just, I think, already like three combined through this year. And I don't know if that's happened in the last 20 years. It does, they don't lose many like that. Um, and the Cowboys crew, I, I'm still, though they're a very good team, especially offensively. And I think the defense did approve to get better. Um, I thought they had some mistakes, like, you know, they get and beat there by Horn. Um, that, that, you know, could have became, could have been costly. Um, you know, I still, you know, like, could, and I know they played the Buccaneers tough, but like the Buccaneers, you know, had three or four turnovers, turnovers that game. Like, I don't know if they're getting, I think I could see them winning a game or two of the postseason. I don't see them beating like a team like Tampa Bay. I, I just, I, I think they could score with them, you know, if, and if Tampa Bay can't get healthy in the secondary, I, I definitely think Dallas could beat them. I don't think that Tom Brady, though, would, would lose, you know, would lose a game to uh, Dak Prescott um, in a big game, but, um, that you know, and I see Dak. Dak's um, Dak's definitely um has Dak, in the MVP. Yeah, he, yeah, he says Dak has to be in the MVP category. Most yards against Bill since yeah, no, I I think he, I think he is. Dak has proved that he is a, top, a clearly a top ten quarterback these last couple of years. He's been he's been really good. I mean, he was, and and really, if you could argue without Dak Prescott, the Cowboys might be three and three because they could have definitely could have definitely lost that Chargers game. He drove them down the field to get the game winning field goal, and they definitely would have lost that game on Sunday. So yes, Dak. You, you do have to put Dak in that MVP conversation with Lamar Jackson and with a Kyler Murray. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's been phenomenal. Helps, you know, with all the talent they have around him, you know, there, there's no question, you know, as long as he can get those guys a ball, um, this offense be really good. And then you got the two-headed monster in the backfield, Elliott and, and Tony Pollard, that that help out as well. Um, yeah, Dak the last few years has played really well. Again, you know, obviously before that devastating injury last year was leading the league in passing yard to like week five. Um, he, he's been really, really good the last few years. And I know I, I kind of questioned it, you know, before that, hey, you know, should they give him the 40 million, you know, and, you know, so far, it, you know, it, it looks pretty good for Dallas that they should have paid him. And, and cause yeah, he's looked really good. This team, this offense is really good. Um, especially in a weak division where they're probably going to win this division by at least three games. Um, he has been really good. He should be up there. Um, and, Xander makes another, yeah, Xander makes another point. Yeah. Defense will only get better when Lawrence comes back. That's another good point. And Gregory's playing good football. You have those two edge rushers. Then you got Parsons. You got Diggs. You're you're almost getting to say you're almost ready to say the Cowboys could potentially when Lawrence comes back. Right now, I think their defense is up uh, average to above average. But if Lawrence comes back, this might end up being a top ten defense. I, I could see it the way they think. You know, yeah, because they're only going to get better. Um, with days, I think a couple of those, you know, like Sundays kind of fell right into his lap. Um, you know, he gets beat, you know, I think he's going to be a pretty good corner. Um, 
Yeah, well, Parsons, yeah, it's going to be pretty good. Lawrence, yeah, when he gets back, he's one of the better guys, you know, in the entire league. So, yeah, I, I think that as the Dallas defense get better, I really think they do, you know, continue to improve. I think it's, it is a team that could win in the postseason, you know, win a few games. I just I just haven't seen it the last year from Dallas, and that's why I'm, like, hesitant. Like, I, I need to see Dallas win a couple games here, you, you know, in the postseason before I really, like, okay, can this team get this? Super Bowl. I, I think they're talented enough. I, I do think so. I just haven't I, – I, I just need to see it. I know it's a new coach um, with McCarthy, but McCarthy, you know, McCarthy won one with Rodgers, which, you know, but, again, we know he's not the greatest coach in the world. So it'll be interesting, but I, I definitely do think you have to put Dallas as a title contender because they, they have so much talent right now. And you know they're going to get – they're probably going to win 12, maybe 13 games with just how bad the division – is right now. I don't here, see them here, losing here, here. to either the Giants, Washington, or Eagles. Yeah, here's a comment. I fear the Packers more than I fear Tampa, as crazy as it sounds. I don't know if Tampa's secondary will be, will be healthy enough to last the season. Y- yes, I I understand that, but I would fear Tampa more just because they're the defending champions and they have a better defense. And you don't know when the Packers are going to get Jari Alexander back either. So they, they, I don't know when they're going to get Darius Smith or Jari Alexander back. So I would still – I know the Cowboys historically have had trouble with the Packers, but I personally would fear, still fear Tampa more just because they're the defending champs. Uh, and if you play Tom Brady in a postseason game, you just can't bet against them, especially with a roster like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think so too, because Tampa Bay is going to take that running game away. You know, they're going to make it one dimensional. Yeah. Who knows how healthy the secondary is going to be that, that, you know, Again, if Tampa's still really banged up there, then I could see Dallas getting by them. You know, because again, I could see them put up 35 points because the only way you're beating the Bucs is kind of in a shootout, especially in the playoffs. It's pretty hard to slow down Tom Brady in the playoffs in a big spot. So I feel like, yeah, they could put up some points, they could beat them. But yeah, I think Tampa, they're super contenders. That, that, that roster they have is really, really good. The defense is, you know, it, again, it, besides, you know, they're, the rushing defense is, is phenomenal. It's, I think, still the best in the league right now. Like, they're going to make it one-dimensional after the ball. But, yeah, you don't, you know, and, again, it, and if Brady's got the ball, too, with under two minutes left and they need to score, like, they, Tom's not losing that game either, you know. So, yeah, I, I think you have to fear the Bucks still a little bit more than the Packers. You know, the Packers are still a really good football team as well. Oh, absolutely. And then don't forget, you've got the Rams and the Cardinals. And I think you could argue the Cardinals are probably the best team in the NFC. And the Rams are uh, right there, one of the top three teams in the NFC. But we got to get we got to get into week seven. And we'll start with the Thursday night game as the Broncos travel to Cleveland to face the Browns. And this is a game of two teams that are banged up. Broncos lost Alexander Johnson for the season, but the Browns are much more banged up as they're not going to have Kareem Hunt. They might not have uh, uh, they're probably not going to have Jarvis Landry. They might not they might not have. Nick I think Chubb. they jump people, though. What do you say? Nick Chubb's out too? What do you say? Yeah, I think Nick Chubb's out. And I thought I saw something this morning. I thought I saw this morning too that Baker was going to be out as well. I'm trying to find Baker's out. Game. Baker's officially out. Baker's uh, officially Baker out. It's going okay. to be Case Keenum. Yeah. Case Keenum starting against against the uh, against the Broncos. And uh, but I still think this is this is this, this is going to be a close competitive game. Defensive struggle. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to take the Browns. I'm still going to take the Browns. Uh, uh, and, and things, you know, Chubb and Hunter out, but even even without without uh, without Chubb and Hunt, I, because I feel like Cleveland's defense. The difference in this game is going to be Cleveland's defense with Miles Garrett and Davion Clowney are going to get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater, just like Max Crosby did last week. And I feel like it's going to be a close, low scoring game. Maybe a maybe a turn, 
a turnover. Each quarterback turns the ball over once. I think it's a close competitive game. But I got the Browns beating the Broncos 21 to 17 on Thursday night. But Justin, can the Broncos D carry them and help them snap their three game losing streak? I could see it with everybody got out, but I do have the Browns win on Thursday night, 17-13. Um, I think Denver is going to have to force a couple of turnovers against Case Keenum. Uh, it's a short week, too, now. Case, Case Keenum probably took most of the first-team reps yesterday. You know, obviously now is definitely taking all the first-team reps today. So, But, you know, it's a short week for Case Keenum to get ready for this game. It's a good Denver defense. Um, if they can get after him, get a couple of sacks. You know, Arizona did a really good job of that last week against Baker. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see Broncos having a chance in this game. You know, I, their defense really struggled last week against Las Vegas, you know, struggled against the Steelers. Um, you know, they're not playing the Giants, Jags, or Jets anymore. And you've kind of seen a little bit more hold, but it's still a pretty – it's still a really good defense. I see them keeping them in the game, but I just don't see the offense being able to take enough um, – or they're often taking enough advantage of – of the Browns, um, or uh, if I, I, yeah, I don't see the Brown, or I don't see their offense being able to do enough against this Cleveland defense. I think they play a lot better this week. We got a matchup in the Meadowlands of a guy that the Giants could have taken in Sam Darnold as he brings his Carolina Panthers up to the Meadowlands to face the Giants. And the Giants had an absolutely terrible week last week against the Rams, pretty much in all phases. Yes, the defense started off the game pretty well, but the offense was absolutely terrible. Then the defense in the second half uh, from the middle of the second quarter on was absolutely terrible. And I think in this game, just because of the Panther injuries, just because Christian McCaffrey's not going to play, I mean, Stephon Gilmore's back at practice, but even if he plays, he's going to be rusty. The Giants are, are going to have are going to have injuries. Uh, they'll, obviously, uh, Tony's going to be out. Andrew Thomas was just put on IR. Uh, Saquon Barkley probably won't play. We don't know if Kenny Galladay's going to play. Uh, I do think the Giants' defense forces a turnover from Sam Darnold because you know Sam Darnold. He'll throw that one terrible interception every game, so I think that happens in this game. But I do think Daniel Jones has a really bad turnover in this game too. I think it's a close, competitive game. But at the end of the day, I'm going to take the team that knows how to win these games, who's better, who knows how to win these games. And I feel like a team like the Carolina Panthers knows how to win these games more than a team like the New York Giants does. And that's why I got the Panthers being the Giants 27 to 20. But Justin, can the Giants D and Daniel Jones bounce back for them to pull the upset? It'll be tough. I got the Panthers going on the road, winning this game 23 to 17. Both teams are very banged up. Um, you know, Sam Darnold again, he had 12 completions going that final drive last week, and they went down 99 yards to tie that thing up and go to overtime. Um, you know, I think Juba Hubbard could could run the ball this week. I think he had a big game on the ground because it sounds like that's going to be more their emphasis instead of uh, the passing game, which has really showed the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I think the, I think the Giants do get some pressure on him because Carolina's offensive line is a great, so yeah, I, I think Darnold probably throws an interception too, but. Can Daniel Jones the offense take advantage? You just lost Andrew Thomas, as you mentioned. Carolina, I think, has 16 sacks of the year. Like they're gonna, I think they're gonna get after the Giants. You saw what the Rams were able to do that last week. You know, Daniel Jones was hit hard um, a couple times. I think it's you know gonna be a lot closer than it was last week. But I see Carolina figuring out a way to get this thing done um, on the road. And I think yeah, their defense makes enough plays. Carolina's defense the to win this game on the road. I had the Panthers win this game 23 to 17. 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I think I could see because the way the Giants are playing, I could see them getting blown out. And I mean, it's another story for another day for the way they've been struggling. I mean, their, their jobs are definitely on the line there. Joe Judge's job is definitely on. And he to come from Jander. Giants lose this game. It's safe to call their season over. Plan to draft and look for. I I agree with the first point. They lose this game. Their season's definitely over because that's another loss to another NFC team, and they'd already have six losses in their first seven games. So first point, I agree. Second point, I feel like it depends on how Daniel Jones plays because there could be a chance on Sunday because of how, how how because the defense hasn't played well this year and with all the injuries that Daniel Jones could play a good game and the Giants could lose. That happened against Washington earlier in the season. So I I I, I would not. I, at the second point, I I'm I'm still you know. I'm still not – I'm not, I still haven't came up with – as a Giants fan, I still haven't came to a decision on the quarterback. First point from Xander, really good point because that, that's that's 100% true. Second point, I still am, still have not came to a decision on the quarterback. And even if he plays well this week and they lose, I still won't have a decision. I was still I still won't will not be saying get rid of the quarterback. I mean, yes, I'm not – don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not sold he's the franchise guy, but I'm not giving up on him. Even if they lose close and he plays well, I'm not going to be giving up on him. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Tater for a point. I think, yeah, it's going to be one and six. Wouldn't this be like the third straight year? You're one and six. I, you know, which it would be the third. It would be the, um, it would be the third. It would be the, actually, the fourth time in five years we'd be one and six. Fourth wow. time in five years. Wow. And that, and it'd be the third time in the day. Saw, so, so, so if this, we'll go, we'll go ahead, Justin. Yeah. Okay. Cause I saw two since like um, 2017. They have the worst record, 19 and 51 in the whole league. And that's worse than the Jets. Like, it's, you know, again, and that's that's not you know the Giants should not be there. Um, but yeah. Um, then what I, my last point I was going to say about Dana J. Yeah, because Dana Jones hasn't been one of the bigger problems. I think he's played pretty well. I know last week he had a rough one, but he was coming off a concussion, playing a really good Rams team. He was put in a tough you know last week was a kind of tough spot for him. Um, and then I think you look at next year's draft class two quarterback. I don't know how many franchise quarterbacks are out there right now besides like Matt Corral. I mean, Malik Willis has played well, but, like, you know, again, I haven't been overly impressed with him. Like, I don't know if you would find a franchise quarterback next year in the first round. So, you know, and I think, yeah, I think the the, the um, verdict's still out of Dana Jones, but um, Nick, um, he has uh, – Jace wants to tank for Thibs, and <laughs> if we could get Kayvon Thibodeau, that would be nice. But the problem is if we're that bad, if we if we only have, like, one or two wins – we're not bringing the quarterback back. This is the this is the NFL. You don't bring your quarterback back if you have one or two wins in 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 in, in, in twenty in the NFL in twenty twenty one. You're not bringing your quarterback back if you have two wins. So it's a very very slim chance the Giants get Kayvon Thibodeau. Probably, you know, because too, it's a new GM and the new GM is going to want his own quarterback. Picking off your point there, so yeah, it's that'd be great for you guys, uh, Thibodeau, to bring that edge rusher there. But yeah, the, the new GM would probably go after a quarterback. I feel like. Um, to get his own guys, but that that would be really that would be a great pickup for you guys. Even though, yeah, it would not be great to finish one sixteen or two and fifteen or whatever. Oh, 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 I, yeah, 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 absolutely. But if we finish one or fifteen or two and sixteen, we're, we're, we're no, we finished like one and sixteen or two and fifteen. We're getting a new quarterback. That, that that that's for sure. But as you brought up, Justin, with the slow starts, with you know, four of the the four three of those four years, if we start one and six on Sunday, three of those four years. Would be would be with Dave Gettleman. That's why Dave Gettleman's got to be fired. And I said it last week. Why are you drafting Saquon Barkley with the second overall pick when you can take Josh Allen? He's a great player, but he can't stay healthy. Josh Allen would have been definitely a better value pick. 
you go out and uh, you go out and get and uh, and, and get Kenny got uh, spend eighteen million on Kenny Galladay, but the biggest but he can't stay on the field and he has an injury history. Yes, if you just got hurt that one year, okay, that's bad luck, just like with Andrew Thomas. But if the guy has a history of not being able to stay healthy, th- that's on the GM. Th- 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 what's going on with the Giants? The number one guy, the number one reason the Giants are struggling is because of Dave Gettleman. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. And I know this is the Giants' way. It always has been that they always have to bring in guys that they know and that's kind of been in their organization. I know that's their philosophy. But, yeah, like, yeah, I think you, you got to change on that style. Because, yeah, I know we brought Carolina to the Super Bowl, but it's been all – it. there really hasn't been much positive. I guess last year at the end, the way they finished was a positive. And you've, but, like, again, all momentum that you had is, is completely gone. And, yeah, like, Gaudet – the injury history, yeah, but like if he was able to stay healthy, again, it would have been a nice pickup. But yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. The Tony draft, again, I know he's hurt now, but the last few weeks he looks like he he could be a really really good wide receiver. Yeah, at Barkley, you know, again, like it's tough to draft a running back nowadays at second overall. It's like you know, unless that running back's going to be Bo Jackson or you know, like like or Barry Sanders. Again, it, it's too risky. You know, it, it's. It's too risky to uh, draft one of those guys nowadays, especially Barkley. It's just un- been unfortunate. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. So, yeah, Gettleman, I, it, it's time to go. I don't think they'll get rid of him in the middle of the season, but I, 100%, he's got to go at the end of the year. There's there's no possible way he should have a job next year. Absolutely. But we got to move on to your team, and your team's got a divisional matchup in Fox at home against the Jets. And uh, we know this is like one of the few teams the Patriots been able to beat the last two years. They've been they've the one thing they've been consistent with is they've been able to beat the Jets, and I think that continues on Sunday. I feel like they force a turnover or two from Zach Wilson. I feel like you know they'll let Mac Jones, which we'll talk about. They'll let Mac Jones manage this game, not you know they'll let him manage this game. I think they'll have success on the ground with Damian Harris. I think you know I think they won't score a ton of touchdowns, but they'll kick field goals because they're winning the game and they won. They'll play not to lose but i do think the patriots will come away with another win over the jets i got them winning 23 to 10 over the jets on sunday but justin can zach wilson have a bounce back game and help the jets get their second win of the season i don't think well um i got the patch win this game 24 13 um i don't think wilson's gonna throw four ints this week but you know i think the patriots force them to make a couple i think the Jets averaged five yards to carry last, last uh, week two against them. I think they could have some success again running the ball against them. Uh, but again, I just I see Zach Wilson not being able to do enough in this game. Um, again, the Patriots secondary not been very good the last few weeks. Um, you know, I, I get they're pretty much old defense. There's no, you are the been consistent, I guess, at times. No. Matthew Judon's really been the only consistent guy in this defense all year. I think Matthew Judon has a couple okay. sacks in this game. He's been a phenomenal pickup for us. Um, that's about been it for this defense. Um, but yeah, I think they do enough in Zach Wilson. They make they force a couple of turnovers and they finally win their first home game. They'll be one and four at home. Five of your first seven games are home and you're going one and four. So that's just crazy. That's just crazy. The funny thing is the team is two and four. But it's not Mac Jones' fault. I thought he played pretty well against the Dolphins. I mean, I mean, it was okay. It was pretty good against the Jets. Y- yes, against the against the Saints, uh, that was by far his worst game. Didn't play that poorly against the Bucks. Really, in six, five of the six games, he's played pretty well. The problem has been the, the roster construction of this team. 
I think really the one free agent, you've said it, that's worked out has been Matthew Judon. The rest really, I mean, Hunter Henry's been okay, but the rest haven't. Jonah Smith and Nelson Aguilar have been total waste of money. They've been absolutely terrible. Jalen Mills, the same thing. He's been terrible too. He got burnt on that play at the end of the game by C.D. Lamb. Those guys have been absolutely terrible. I feel like Belichick has done a poor job really putting this roster together. You know, he didn't draft well. That's why Brady left. And then he tried to patch up in free agency, and he really hasn't done that too. And also – uh, uh, I think, you know, here's what I don't get about Belichick last year, you know, they went seven and nine, but you know, they had a, they had a really bad, they, had a, they didn't have a good quarterback. And I didn't think he did a bad, that bad of a job coaching. I mean, seven and nine with camp with a, with a washed up Cam Newton and not a great roster. He did to win seven games, stole a couple games with, against Baltimore and Arizona. He still, you still could say Belichick's one of the top coaches in the league this year. I hate to say it. I feel like Bill's starting to lose his way a little bit. And, and the thing I don't get is how do you, how do you want Mac Jones to be your starting quarterback? And you don't have confidence in him, and you and you don't have you don't have confidence in him in certain situations. The fourth down against the, the Buccaneers, you kick the you missed you kick the field goal, and then you miss it. And, and and even if you make that field goal, you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady. And then last week, which made no sense to me, is fourth down and three. He goes for it. He goes for it at midfield. He goes. He, no, no, he doesn't go for it. He he, he he punts at midfield. This is the NFL in 2021. You cannot punt when you have the ball at midfield. You got to go for it there. I knew when that ball was in when they gave the ball back to Dak Prescott. And I texted you. I said, game over, game over. Cowboys are going to win. You just, you just can't do it. the way your defense was playing. There's no way you could have given the ball back to Dak Prescott there. Yeah, I, I, I when you tell me, I completely agree with you. And, and you know, um, I would love to see that. You know, I know. Yeah, but the, but here's know, the problem with that. Enough, guys. Here's the problem. Are they going to be able to get that talent? Because that's what happened with Brady. That's why Brady left because they failed to get that talent. In the 2018 draft, they passed on Nick Chubb and they got Sony Michelle, and Sony Michelle has been traded. In 2019, they could have had AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, and DK Metcalf. And guess what they ended up with? Nikhil Harry, who's been a major, major, major boss, major boss. The college scouting of the Patriots has been total trash. That's why they're in this situation. And that's the thing is, that's why I said to Justin after the game on Sunday, I think Trey Lance is in a better situation than Mac Jones because I feel like Mac Jones has the talent and a little bit better offensive coaching. That's I think Mac Jones. I I don't mind the way Mac Jones is playing. The problem is I don't I don't know if I could trust the Patriots to put some, to put a good enough team around him. No, I don't either. And I, I and I know I told you we should fire McDaniel's. And I, I think I you know I know he told me I went a little bit too far. Which I after a few days, yes, I probably went too far. You know, McDaniel's is I'm getting fed up with his play calling because it, it's ridiculous. They, the, the, they don't give him. Um, you know, yeah, yeah but they, they say, yeah, yeah the schedule is bad enough. Is, well, but the problem is they've missed on so many. They, they don't draft. draft well. They don't draft well at all. That's the problem with the Patriots. And that was an no. issue even in the second half of Brady's career. The pro, the, the, the thing, what, but the thing for them is, is that Brady was so good, he was able to cover up all their their poor drafting. He was that's what, that's what happens to you, the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm no offense to Mac Jones, but now that you don't, you got to be able to draft well. And and as we've said, we right now I don't trust the Patriots are going to get it right in the draft. No, I don't either. And again, it's it's disappointing. Because yeah, you would think at this moment it, their schedule is going to get tougher in the next couple of weeks, and they're not going to win too many games. I don't think you know. You know, I could see them being around five hundred, hovering around there. But like, yeah, I just they haven't drafted well at all. Mac Jones so far looks like a good draft pick. So so far, um, again, I hope I don't jinx him here, but yeah, he hasn't been the problem. And the thing is, it's just like he's not your problem. Like, just let him air it out. Like, and I know. Diggs kind of got beat there and tried to you know, make the hero play and try to get another interception, but they had the deep play to Kendrick Bourne. Why don't you let him air it out again? He's I think he's completing like 72% of his passes, something like that. Like 
he's playing well. And I know you're playing dink and dunk football, but again, like what has he shown you that you don't like? And I, I just don't get why they're just kind of, you know, like they opened it up more last year for Cam Newton than they are for Mac. And I just, I just frustrated to watch for him. Um, and there's well, you guys are basically saying up. welcome to the 25 year. If, if they, if they, if they don't get a, a general manager that knows how to, to scout college talent, that could very easily be the case. They could have a, a good quarterback in Mac Jones and beak, you know, in, in, in uh, around hovering around 500 a lot of years. That's what happened, you know, with the Cowboys and Romo's prime. They hovered around 500 a lot. I could see the same thing could happen with the Patriots. I could too, you know, I don't know. You know, it, it builds here for another five, six years. And he just keeps it. The draft just kind of keeps, it's just mediocre. They're not really finding a ton of top tier talent. Um, they're missing out. Then I, I could completely agree. And I see it because again, you got the bills right now that have, look good like you're gonna probably be in their second tier as long as Josh Allen's gonna be there at the moment you know again that the Jets aren't gonna be in the basement forever Dolphins taking some sets back this year but yeah like the the vision's not gonna be cakewalk like it was the last you know like 18 years you know like it was you know with Brady here so um I I I could see it unfortunately I I hope that does not happen but yeah like and, and again I like Bill I've always liked Bill but yeah I I Wish at times he'd give up the GM role, just kind of just focusing more on the coaching, but I just don't see him doing that. Um, but then my last point I want to say, Bill, and I think this is an issue with defense. This is from, I was listening to Tommy Kern, um, Tom Kern last week. Now, he was saying this was the rumor going around. It's not official, but, you know, it's not, you know, totally, you know, he, it's just a rumor right now. But he was saying that Bill's calling plays, his son Steve's calling plays. Um, Matt Patricia may be calling some plays, and um, oh god, and uh, Jared Jared uh, Mayo may be calling some plays too. So, like it sounds because that's because there's been times where it's like personnel out there they have no idea what they're doing. So it seems like it, it seems very possible that there could be four guys, and just, just it's everything's just confusing because it really seems like it at times it's just miscommunication. So that was a rumor, but I tend to believe that. That's very possible because he really likes Matt Patricia, so I could see him having a big impact in the, the defense. So that's what I've heard. And I think that could really be easily the cause of me. What's going on? Just too many voices right now. Yeah, one guy calls plays. That's it. They got. They got. They got. Even if it, even if it has to be Bill, one guy calls plays. That's it. That that that's the way it has to go. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It, it should be. And I, I just think it just messes everybody up, especially with a lot of new pieces. And uh, yeah, I just it, it completely agree. It's got to be one voice and it maybe sounds like it's not. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So I don't think that rumor is outrageous. Alrighty. So we're going to get to our best bets. And uh, uh, this week for me, one of my first one is the, I got the Browns, uh, I think it's now minus three versus the Broncos. I think even though with all the injuries the Browns have, short week for the Broncos, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a tough game for them. Even though I think the game will be really close, I still think the Browns are going to cover. I got the Eagles plus three over the Raiders. The Raiders had a good week last week, and I'm just still not buying them. And I feel like the Eagles are going to learn from what they did on that last drive against Tampa Bay starts to run the ball. I do think Miles Sanders has a big game this week, and I do think they go to Vegas and pull the upset. And my last one is the Colts against the Niners. I think the Colts continue to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor. 
I think the Niners, they don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. I feel like it's going to be Jim Garoppolo, but we'll see who their starting quarterback is going to be. And I don't love a team who doesn't, who does not sure who their starting quarterback is going to be and doesn't really. And I know the Trey Lance is their guy, but they're not sure who their starter is going to be this week. So I got the Colts on Sunday night plus four over the Niners. Justin, your best bets. My best bets of the week, I have um, the Titans now at, up to five and a half at home against the Chiefs. Again, I the Chiefs, I thought, yeah, they won 31-13 last week, but like I thought Mahomes and Tyreek Kill kind of bailed them out. Taylor Heineke had a terrible interception in that game. I know the Titans, they're coming off a big win. Most of win on a Monday night. Yeah, short kind of short week. Um, but I, I, I trust Tennessee's defense to get a stop more than I do the Chiefs. I think Derrick Henry runs all over this over all over the Chiefs. I don't think they get to stop. I think he easily has over 100 yards in this game. I like the Raiders at home. I really like the way they're often kind of open things up. And I, I thought their car had a really, really nice game. They got they spread the ball around. Um, I, I like the play calling much better when they had Gruden. I think it, the gameplay was much better. Um, Eagles coming off a tough loss in Thursday night football. I see Jalen Hurts having some success, uh, you know, in this game, and I see him keeping it close. The Raiders haven't been great at home since moving to Vegas, but I find I see the the Raiders find a way to win this game at home. Um, I, I like the way they're playing. I don't really like the Eagles secondary, and I think Derek Carr could put up some points against the team. And then I'm gonna take the Texans at 17 and a half against the Cardinals. I know, I just, I know that the Texans stink. But and I know this isn't really an NFL thing, but I think this could be you know a sandwich game and a look ahead. You just came off a blow one of the Browns. You have Green Bay coming out on Thursday night. You know, and I know the Cardinals. We kind of deal with some um, COVID issues with the coaching staff. I feel like the Texans. It just 17 and a half is a lot in the NFL. I don't think the Texans are at winning this game, but I think the Texans could keep this thing close. They struggled. The Cardinals did struggle with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they know they end up winning by 12, but, you know, it took them about three and a half quarters to get that thing going. So uh, I'll take my shot here at the Houston Texans covering against the Cardinals. You really, you really do hate Cliff Kingsbury. You are not a Cliff Kingsbury yes, guy. You do not like Cliff Kingsbury. No, you're, you're, no, I know no. you're not, you're not sold on the Cardinals. You know they're six and oh, you're not sold on the Cardinals yeah. because of that. No, I, I it just, uh, I know their roster is very good. He may not be. He may – this team may be too good for him to mess up, but I just – I I can't – I really can't take Cliff Kingbury in that game to take the points. I just – I don't trust him enough. He's just offensively genius, defensively clueless. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with the Cardinals and the Texans this week. But we got to get to the slate of games, and you already – this is one of your best bets. You're, you got the Titans covering, and you got the Titans winning the game. So uh, I, I got – I got uh, – but, but this – I think this is going to be – Probably could be the best game of week seven. I think it's gonna be a back and forth game, just like it was when they played in the regular season two years ago. I think Derrick Henry's gonna have a big week. I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna have a big week. It's gonna be up and down the field. But I'm going with Patrick Mahomes over Ryan Tannehill. I feel like it's gonna be a high scoring game, but I got the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Tennessee Titans 35 to 31. Uh we'll skip what we could. We already got what Justin what Justin has in this game. Justin's got the Titans winning 31-28. And uh just explain why. Yeah, I know you explained in the best bets, but just explain why you got the Titans winning 31-28. Yeah, I get Titans win this game. I Derrick Henry runs all over them. Um, I, I know my home totally different, better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. I just can't trust this Chiefs defense to get a stop. I think they control the ball. I don't know who the Chiefs are going to have to cover Julio Jones or AJ Brown. I think they just both go off. I know the Titans aren't good defensively either, but 
I'd rather take the Titans. I've seen, you know, the Titans made a big stop oh one night. I trust the Titans Z more right now than I do the Chiefs. I just don't see them getting any stops in this game. I'll take my chance with the, the, the Tennessee Titans at home. We got an NFC matchup in Green Bay as the Washington football team heads to Green Bay to face to face the Packers. And in this game, I feel like Green Bay, I know, I know Washington's been getting pressure, doing a better job of getting pressure on the quarterback, but the back seven for Washington has not has been terrible all, all season long. The front four has not been as good as we thought it as be, should have been. And I think that Aaron Jones is a big game. I think Aaron Rodgers throws two or three two or three touchdowns. I think the defense forces a turnover from Taylor Heineke. And I get the Packers being the Washington football team. 31 to 20, uh, 31 to 17 on Sunday. But Justin, can the Taylor Heineke make enough plays and can the Washington football team force mistakes from Aaron Rodgers for them to pull the upset? I don't think so. Heineke had a horrible interception last week. I think it, it may have to go back to Fitzpatrick whenever he comes back and he's healthy. Um, really hasn't gotten the job done right now. Um, uh, the pack, you know, so I I don't think they're going to be able to against the Packers defense, which you know, been all right, been pretty good, but I just I can't trust Washington. I don't think Washington. Uh, I Hale Heineke's not winning this game against Aaron Rodgers. I have the Packers twenty eight seventeen. Um, I think Washington is going to get some pressure on them. I think the last few weeks, um, yeah, they have been better at that, but it's the secondary. Just I think they got the Mahomes last week, like three times, two sacks two weeks ago. I just don't, you know, yeah, they could get the Aaron Rodgers game, but I there's just nobody in the secondary though. If he's got more than three, four seconds, I don't see, every, you know, I don't know how the Washington's going to be able to cover Devontae Adams or. In this game, I think it's I think Packers do win this thing by two scores. Um, I could maybe see them get an interception, maybe a fumble, but other than that, I don't think they have much of a chance to win this game. Just Green Bay. NFC North matchup is in Baltimore. We've got the four and two Bengals facing the five and one Ravens, and I think this is going to be a close, competitive game. I think that you know, I think that Joe Burrow is going to play well. I think Lamar Jackson is going to play well. I think the Bengals will contain the Ravens' running game, but I think the difference is going to be. I think Lamar Jackson is going to make plays against that uh, against that Bengals secondary, and I think that you know they're going to, the Ravens' defense is going to force a turnover from Joe Burrow, and I think that ultimately is the difference. And I got the Ravens beating the Bengals. 28 to 20. But Justin, can Joe Burrow keep up with Lamar Jackson and put the Bengals in first place in the AFC North? I think they have a chance. I not very likely. I had the Ravens win this game 27 to 21. Uh I, I just think Burrow's gonna be have it's gonna have to run for for his life most of this game. I think the the Ravens have really kind of figured things out uh, pretty much since like the second half of the Monday night game. You know, they held a really good uh Chargers team to six points last week. I know it was an East Coast trip for the Chargers, but they played really well. Um, yeah, I think he's going to make some plays. They have a lot of good receivers. Obviously, the Ravens, you know, really banged up in the back end this year. Um, but I just don't think he's going to be able to keep up with Lamar Jackson in this game. It's going to be too much. And I have the Baltimore Ravens win this game 27 21 at home. We got the Falcons heading to Miami to face the Dolphins. And here's one thing I don't understand why don't the Dolphins have a bye week? Why don't they have a bye week? I don't understand that. You just played in London. Why don't you have a bye week? They just happened one other time to the Jaguars four years ago, and then they end up losing to the Jets. Why don't you have a bye week after you're playing after you're playing in London? I don't get that at all, and that's probably the biggest reason why I'm picking the Falcons to win this game. And I think Matt Ryan has a big day. I think you know, I think he has a big day. I think Kyle Pitts has a really good game. I think Calvin Ridley has a pretty good game, and I got the, I got the, I got the Falcons winning this game, 27-24. I think Tua will play 
okay. I think he'll play pretty well, but I just think this is a, ba- is a major scheduling issue by the NFL, why the Dolphins have to play a game. Play, they, they, well, they, well, the Dolphins play a game in London, then they got to play again the next week. I think that makes no sense to me, but I got the Falcons winning 27 to 24. But Justin, can Tua bounce back and give the Dolphins their second win? Yeah, I get the Falcons 24 21. I'm with you. I don't know why they do not have a bye week. This doesn't really make any sense. Um, I, I I don't get it. I don't know why. Because every other team got it. You know, three other teams. Like most years they do. So it, it's weird. I don't get it. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, you know, I don't think the Falcons really should be getting points on the road against anybody. But I, again, in this spot, the, the Dolphins lose a tough one over in London against Jacksonville last week. Um, I see Atlanta, yeah, Matt Ryan be able to put some points. But, yeah, I just think coming up the loss, I think, you know, Tua played well. Um, I think he'll have some yards against, you know, not a very good Atlanta defense here, uh, but just not nearly enough against Matt Ryan. I just think the Falcons have a little bit too much offensively for for Tua to keep up with in this game. And I'll take the Falcons on the road 24-21. Got a big matchup down in Tampa as the Bears travel down to Tampa to face Tom Brady and the Bucks. And we don't forget the Bears did beat the Bucks last year in Chicago in that Thursday night game. But I think it's gonna be a different story this year. I think Tom Brady's gonna have a big game, throw uh, two or three touchdown passes. Robert Quinn is not gonna be playing for the Bears. I feel like the, the Bucks are gonna. They got some. They've been getting pressure the last couple of weeks. I think they're gonna get pressure on Justin Fields, force a turnover. And I got the Buccaneers winning this game big. I got the Bucks going to six and one, beating the Bears thirty-one to thirteen. But Justin, can the Bears D contain the Bucks offense for them to get their second straight win against them? It's gonna be very tough. Um, I don't think it's gonna happen. I got the Bucks winning this game, thirty-one to seventeen. Um, I think they would have to keep the Buccaneers under like twenty points. I just don't see that happening. I just Tom Brady's not gonna let that happen um, with all the weapons they have. I think the Bears could get some pressure on them. Tampa's line's pretty good. Offensive line's pretty good, but I just don't see it being able to do enough. I think they were, the Bears D already has over you know twenty sacks on the year. Um, but I just don't see I just don't see them in the secondary having too much success against Tom Brady in this one. Um, it's a revenge game for Brady. Usually plays pretty well in those games too. So I, I see the Buccaneers winning this game by two scores. We got the Texans traveling to Arizona to play the Cardinals, and I think this is the, the blowout of the weekend. I think the Cardinals are could arguably the best, arguably be the best team in football. And I think the Texans are clearly the worst team in football. I don't care if the Lions don't have a win. The Lions are better than the Texans. The Texans are the worst team in football. That's why I got the Cardinals winning 38 to 10. Justin, uh, you probably agree with me that you got the Cardinals winning. But, but we all know that, yeah. that you have, we all know that you have the, the, them co- the, you have the Texans covering now. Yeah, but I got 30, 17. I think Texans keep it close. I think, they, you know, I think Mills makes some plays in this game. I know it's a revenge game for Watt and Hopkins and, but I, I, I just see this game, Arizona kind of looks ahead a bit. Uh, I see them getting ready for Green Bay. And Houston, you know, plays hard and keeps this game interesting. I know they got blown out by Indianapolis, but I, I think they keep this in close. Um, I'll, I'll take my chances with the Texans covering. Going from one revenge game to another revenge game, we got Matthew Stafford hosting his former team in the Detroit Lions. And obviously we got Jared Goff facing his former team in the Los Angeles Rams. And I do think in the first, you saw Goff was called out by uh, Dan Campbell last week after the game. So I do think Goff comes out with a little bit of fire this week. I think they moved the ball a little bit early in the game, but eventually I feel like the Rams running game with Sonny Michelle and Dontrell Henderson and the Rams passing game with, with, with Matthew Stafford, uh, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, they take over. 
That's why I got the Rams winning 31 to 16 in LA on Sunday. But Justin, can Jared Goff get revenge against his former team? I don't think that's happening. I got the Rams 31 to 20. Yeah, Dan Campbell, I've never really seen a head coach kind of call out a player like that out front of the media. So it'll be interesting how Goff responds to that. Yeah, you know, I I think the Lions play hard in this game. I think, you know, they keep it closer half. Um, I think, but I I just think this Rams defense is just going to be way too much. I know the Lions kind of banged up on the, you know, on the offensive line right now. So I I just don't see the, you know, I I see that pass rush with Aaron Donald, which is, you know, having a couple sacks in this game. Um, I I think it could be a long day for the Lions trying to get something going. Um, I think Stafford has a big day, but yeah, I, I think golf, you know, plays you know plays all right i think he plays as well as he can against a really good line or brand defense against you know and he doesn't really have a ton around him but i'm gonna take the the line or the rams win 31 20 we got our best bet we got our two best bets this week is we got the eagles traveling to vegas to play the raiders we, we said in our best bet our one of my best bets was the was the eagles one of your best bets was the raiders i got the eagles i got the eagles winning the game by uh, by three points. I got the four points. I got the Eagles winning at 27-23 because of, you know, the running game of uh, of, 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 of Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders is, has done a really, really good job running the football. Uh, no, no, no. They, they did a really good job running the football uh, last week at the end of the game, and I think they continue to do that. I think they try to find an identity in offense the Eagles don't have. I think Jalen Hurts has a good game. And for the Raiders, I do think Derek Carr is a good game, but I do think he has that one bad turnover in this game. That's why I got the Eagles pulling the upset. But, Justin, you have the Raiders – as one of your best bets, and why do you have them as one of your best bets? Yeah, I got the Raiders win this game uh, 27 to 20. Um, I, I think, you know, the Raiders kick, get a go, couple of sacks as well against Jalen Hurts. Um, as I mentioned, I really like their offense. I think, you know, I think, you know, they could get it going with Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, been in the backfield. It's, it's a good receiving back. Um, I see a couple big plays against the secondary, and I, I think the Eagles. Keep this thing close. I think, yeah, Jalen Hurts does put up some points in this game, but I just don't think it's enough. And I think I, I really like the way the Raiders looked offensively. I think that continues against the Eagles this Sunday. We got the Sunday night game in Santa Clara as the Colts travel to Santa Clara to face the to face the 49ers. And I think this is a this is a close competitive game, but I'm going to go with an upset here. I feel like the Colts are going to force Garoppolo to turn the ball over once or twice, and they're going to capitalize on that. I feel like the Niners will get pressure on Wentz, but I think Jonathan Taylor is a big game. I think he has another really good game against this defense, and I'm going with an upset here. I, and this is one of my best bets. I got the Colts beating the uh, Niners uh, 23-20. But, Justin, can the Niners force enough turnovers from Wentz to snap their three-game losing streak? I think they can. And Wentz has been really good, especially the last two weeks. Um, you know, played well that Monday night game against Baltimore. Played really well against, you know, bad Houston team. But I like what I saw out of him last week. Um, he's only got one interception on the year, one fumble. He's he's done a good job of, um, of protecting the football. You know, and the Niners only have two takeaways. I know last year they only had three or four interceptions all year. They weren't great at that last year. Um, I, I feel like this week they, they – um, they do force Carson Wentz to make an interception. I think it's a big one. I think it could be, you know, a big one late in the game. I, I think, you know, he makes a mistake, and I think the Niners try to take advantage of it. Um, the Niners coming off a bye as well, so I think they're kind of well prepared in this game. I think they do enough at home here on a Sunday night to get the win 
We got the Monday night game in Seattle as the Saints travel to Seattle to face the Seahawks, and uh, this is going to be a going to be a pretty interesting game between these uh, between these two teams. I think that uh, I, I think that the Saints I think the Saints will have success running the football against Seattle's defense with with Alvin Kamara. I do think there's a turnover on each side. I think Geno Smith turns the ball over once, and I do think that. Uh, Jameis Winston turns all the ball over once. But at the end of the day, I feel like Jameis Winston is going to be the guy who makes less mistakes than Geno Smith. And that's why I got the Saints to go to four, go into four and two, being the Seahawks, uh, 24 to 17. But Justin, can Geno Smith outplay Jalen Smith for the Seahawks to get their third win of the season? I think they, I think the Seahawks keep this thing close. Um, they it's a tough place to go to. I think they play, you know, I, I think they keep close. Play hard at home, um, but I have the Saints winning this game, twenty-three to twenty. Um, I, I think Geno Smith could have some, you know. Um, again, I think he does make that turnover too that could hurt him. Um, but I, I think their offense, or I think Seattle's offense, you know, does struggle. It's a good, it's a good Saints defense. They're coming off a bye as well. They're the, the Saints coming off a bye, so I, I think Geno could have a rough one. Really trying to get things going. Um, he's got to protect the football. I don't know if he will. I, you know, I think he'll make turnover too. But I, I think you know, could you know, maybe see some like he can run the ball. But I don't. Yeah, you know, it didn't really seem like they did that a lot with him. Um, I, I think James Winston makes enough plays. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Alvin Kamara in the backfield has a big game. Seattle hasn't been great um, stopping the run. But I, I feel like Seattle's a team that's you know, again, Russell Wilson's a huge loss. But I think you know, talent wise, I think that they play hard. At home on a Monday night, I think they keep it close, but I just don't think they have enough to win and knock off the Saints right now. Yeah, yeah, it should be an interesting game. It should be an interesting week seven. But we got to move on to the NBA, and uh, Ben Simmons is continuing to be a headache in Philadelphia. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. So the Sixers season is off to a rough start as uh, Ben Simmons uh, was kicked out of practice. Uh, I was kicked out of practice uh, yesterday because of a because of a, a, spat, a spat he had with Doc Rivers, and he's been suspended now for the first game for the Philadelphia 76ers. So this is this is just a, a situation in Philadelphia at this point. I know the Sixers want to get the right value, but at this point, to end this distraction, they got to end up trading him. They got to end up trading him. You know, the problem is, is he's just, it's, it's it, the contract. It's an untradeable contract. What, what he's making right now, no team's going to want it for a totally overrated player. And I call this Ben Simmons is a completely overrated player. He can't shoot threes. Yes. He's decent, good defensively. Yes. He could, he could distribute the ball, but he can't shoot threes. And in today's NBA, if you want to be an elite guard, you gotta be a really, really, you gotta be a really, really good three point shooter. And he's not. And at this point, this thing has gotten so bad. The Sixers got to trade him sooner than later. Absolutely. It just, again, he's acting like a complete baby. Um, it's ridiculous. You know, I don't know. You saw the video the other day. He's got like the cell phone, his cell phone's in his pocket in the middle of practice. He walks away from the huddle. 
um, at the end of practice, you know, or, or like it just, it, you know, it's he's acting like he wants to just, you know, until you get to the point where they just get rid of him um, for nothing or they're just so sick and tired of him. But it, it just treat him for whatever, you know, if it's for, you know, a dollar at this point. So, yeah, again, it's just all this problem just stems from a guy that just for whatever reason just really hasn't tried to improve his game, it seems, seems like. It just seems like, you know, that's all he has to do. Um, if, I'm, I'm, if I'm a GM or a coach of another organization, I don't know why I would want this guy on my team if he's going to act this way. Um, again, you haven't really seen that this guy has improved his game much at all. So, yeah, it, it's it's horrible. They have to get rid of him as soon as possible. But it's completely ridiculous the way he's acting. It's very unprofessional. And, it, again, um, it just, you know, I, I think what Joel Embiid said, you know, we're not here to babysit him or whatever. Like, you know, again, just – just complete disaster in this locker room. And, you know, it, they just – you, you got to treat, treat him for whatever you can get. But I just don't know who's going to give up anything for him right now. Um, you're not going to get much value. But I, I think at this point, yeah, you just got to take whatever with this guy. It's it's, yeah. it's bad. Absolutely, absolutely. And Joel and me made the right comment. We're not here to babysit him. You're not here to babysit him. The guy is totally underachieved. He's not gotten in the gym. He's not learned to jump. He's not learned to – I mean, he has the talent to be one of the top players in this oh, league. Yeah. This guy just learned to have a three-point shot. I remember his rookie year. I'm saying if this guy develops a three-point shot, this, this guy's going to be amazing. This guy's going to be unbelievable. But he never did. He didn't in college. And what was telling in college is he was on a team that didn't even make the NCAA tournament. So that was very, very telling in college. You probably you knew – you probably knew that Ben Simmons was – you probably knew Ben Simmons wasn't going to be that great even watching him in college. I bet you knew. No, I, I thought with the talent he had, again, at six foot ten, like I thought if he could improve his game, he could be one. I, I, I totally agree with you. I thought he was going to be one of the best players. He just never did that. And, I, I again, I think it just stems from – he was like the first really great player in Australia. He comes over – and I, I just think he, the, all the talent he had, he, you know, everybody kind of just patted on the back. And I don't think he's really faced too much criticism. And I don't think he really knows how to handle the criticism. And I think that's been a big problem. And, and yeah, you know, that LSU team too, they were, had a top five um, recruiting class, I believe, top five, top 10. They went like 15 to 15. They were mediocre, you know, and, and they had a lot of talent to at least make the NCAA tournament. They couldn't do that. They couldn't close out a lot of close games and, that, that that was an issue, too. I remember watching it. He, he couldn't really close out close games. He could not hit the late shot late in games. He didn't really want the want the ball late in games. I kind of – I did see that part where it did kind of concern me. But, yeah, you know, I did think he had all the talent in the world because it's not every day you see a six-foot, ten-point guard that, you know, but hasn't been able to develop himself. No, no, total, total waste of talent. It just shows you you could be that talented, but – there's a difference between talented and good, and Ben Simmons is the difference between talented and good and great. Talented, he's good. He's so good because he always plays defensively. Yeah. No good he is defensively, but Ben Simmons is the difference between talented and great. Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree. Yep, you know he's got all the talent. Be great, but he's got all the talent in the world. Be one of the top players, but yeah, he just he's okay with just being a great player. Doesn't want to take that next step to being an elite player. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get into our season preview, and we'll start with the Eastern Conference. And last night, the uh, Bucks beat the uh, beat the Nets, uh, one twenty-seven to one hundred four. I do feel like the Nets 
are a little bit better. I think it's close between the two, but I think even without Kyrie, I think the I think the, with Kyrie, the Nets are definitely better than the Bucks. But even without Kyrie, I do think the Nets are a little bit better than the Bucks. I think the biggest difference in the game last night was the bench. The bench, I mean, Nora and Kajan had really good performances from the Bucks. The early outside of Mills, the bench didn't do anything for the Nets. So I do think that even with Harden, I think in a normal circumstance, I do think that the, the Nets are the better team. But I think we know that the Nets and Bucks are the top two teams in the East. The big question mark is going to be in the Eastern conferences. Who is your sleeper to be a title to be a team that could win the Eastern Conference? And I'll start and I'll start with my 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 team, and that's the Miami Heat. I think it's the Miami Heat because I like the addition of Kyle Lowry. I think the bubble hurt them a little bit last year. I think they were a little bit worn out by the bubble. Oh, uh, that's why they only ended up getting the six seed. But I think you know having Bam out of having Bam out of Bam out of bio, having uh, Jimmy Butler, I've and the coaching of Eric Spolstra. I think to me the Heat are my sleeper team to get to the NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference. Who's yours, Justin? I'm actually going with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, here, right there, because you know me, I love the Heat organization. They always do a great job. Um, but I'm taking Atlanta. If they can, if Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter could say healthy this year, they just locked up John Collins. I love Clint Capella down low. Uh, he could he could play down low with pretty much anybody in the entire league. Uh, Trey Young again. I think again he's going to continue to get better. Um, Bogdanovich, I, I think, continues to improve and be you know big off off the bench there or, or as a starter. And off the bench, they still have Lou Williams. I know he really tailed off last year, but he's still a good guy to have off the bench, veteran guy. Um, they really around, really rallied around their coach last year. Um, I think it's a team that's confident that can win in the postseason for what they the run they went on last year. So I think Atlanta could be that could be a sleeper team to get to the uh, NBA Finals this year. So now we're going to go to our sleeper team. We feel like that can make the playoffs. A team that really that no one's kind of talking about. A team that could be that could. And then we're not going to talk about the play-in term, but it could be one of the top eight teams get into the NBA playoffs. Kind of a sleeper team. And my team actually made the play-in tournament last year, but got crushed. But I really, really like what I see. I know they got crushed to the Mavericks in that preseason game, but I like I really like Lamelo Ball, and I think he makes a jump to a to a you know at least a top you know 30 player this year because I, I think he's good. he's definitely be better than Lonzo he could shoot the three he's really he's re, he's really good at that and I feel like he's gonna make the Gordon Haywards the uh the Terry Roziers I think he's gonna make those guys better around him so that's why I got the Hornets as my sleeper team to make the playoffs at the Eastern Conference who's your sleeper team Justin I had Toronto that, that was it was between Toronto and Charlotte um but I, I took Toronto, and I think last year having – I think a lot of it was having to be in Orlando all year. They weren't home at all. I think that was a big part of why they struggled. They got rid of Lowry. You know, he goes on to Miami. Uh, but I think Piazza Siakam has a better year. Um, I like OG um, Inouye. I think plays well. I like, you know, adding like a better guy in Gordon Dragon to take that point guard spot. Um, you know, I, I like Nick Nurse as a coach. I feel like the Raptors are going to be better than they were last year. Um, I, I, you know, um, Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet is another solid yeah. player. So yeah, Van Vliet. So I, I like the Raptors. I think they, I think they're going to be much better than they were last year. I just think having in the bubble had a lot or playing Orlando had a lot to do with their struggles last year. It just kind of seems like they really, um, struggled last year. So I'll take the, uh, Toronto Raptors, my sleeper. And we got a comment, uh, gentlemen and fans. Hi, Peter from, from North. Uh, don't don't sleep on the Hawks. Huge Hawks fan from 
Oh, he, he, he got he got blocked there. So yeah, that, yeah, I thought it was a Hawks fan. I, J, 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 I think Jace, Jace, I think maybe Jace knew about that about that guy from from earlier. But yeah, but we'll go on to the Western Conference and and, we'll, and last night, obviously, the Lakers lost to the Warriors, one twenty one to one fourteen. Uh, I do th- I do think there could be a little bit of a concern with Russell Westbrook because of his lack of three point shooting, how he's going to fit in with that Laker team. But I do think with the talent they have, they're going to figure it out. I think it's 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 pretty obvious who uh, that the, that the Lakers are, are the best team. The second best team is definitely going to be a race for that. I mean, you could make a case for Phoenix. You could make a case for Denver. You could make a case for uh, for uh, you could make a case for uh, even the Warriors if Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson is the same. There's a lot of teams in there. Even Dallas, if if Luca continues to be as good as he is, if Luca even takes that next step this year, so you could make a case for them as well. So there's a lot of teams you could make a case for in that spot as the second best team in the West. But we'll talk about who our sleeper team in the Western Conference is. And mine is the Denver Nuggets. And I think the Denver Nuggets very easily could win the West. They definitely could be that sleeper team to win the Western Conference because if, because Jamal Murray, if he can stay healthy, is one of the better point guards in the league. We know Jokic is the MVP from last year. But the biggest reason is I think Michael this will be the year Michael Porter Jr. finally makes that leap to being a superstar. And if he can, the Nuggets, I think, are clearly the second best team in the Western Conference. Justin, who's your sleeper to come out of the West? I agree with you. I get the Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, I know Murray may not be back till near March, but I think, you know, they may, you know, because of that, maybe they are kind of down there at the four five, but I, I think I really like the court. Yeah. I think Michael Porter is going to have a bigger impact on this offense. I think he's going to have a bigger role, especially with Murray going to be out most of the year. I think Joe gets only going to get better. Um, coming off his MVP year. Um, I like their first round pick in Bones Highland. I know he played pretty well in the preseason, uh, we'll see what he does now in the regular season, but I did like that pick as, uh, you know, another guard spot. Um, I think it's a, it's a team that's been close the last few years. I know losing Murray Hurd um, last year. Like, I, I think it's a Nuggets team that's getting ready to kind of break through in the West, and um, I, I think they could do it. I think this could be the year for the Denver Nuggets to, to you know, represent the Western Conference. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could, I could very easily, I could, I could very easily see that. I could very easily see that. So now we'll go to who our sleeper team to make the playoffs is in the in the Western Conference, and this one's going to come out, kind of come out of nowhere. Seems got talent, but this one's going to come out, kind of come out of nowhere for me. And for me, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, you look at their roster last year. Cats missed twenty two games. Uh, uh, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards had a pretty good. I mean, he's not as great as Lamelo Ball, but he had a pretty good rookie year. Uh, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell missed. Uh, 30 games. So they, they had a lot of guys who missed games. Malik Beasley missed games too. Malik, I don't know if he's still on the team, but Malik Beasley, he missed games too, he missed games too for the uh, for the Timberwolves. I think, honestly, I think the Timberwolves could could be the sleeper team and they're my, then they are going to be my sleeper team. I got them as my number eight seed in the playoffs. Justin, who's your sleeper team coming out of the West? It's going to be another surprise one. And I'm actually going with my Kings. I'm not by I, – I, I, I really like the – I knew you would do it, and I know the reason why you would do it. You're, and I know exactly the reason why, you, why, why you're going to do it. Why? What you I know. Doing? I know exactly. Yeah. They're backcourt. They're backcourt. Yes. De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. I knew I knew you were going to take, take the Kings to be your sleeper team. Yeah. I, I will say about Minnesota, but I, I think this is a year for the Kings. And, you know – and then I love Davion Mitchell too, coming off the bench. Um, he played really well in the preseason, especially defensively. Of course, you love Davion Mitchell because he was good last year in college. Yeah, he was. He's been good though in the preseason. I want you know preseason and summer it's league pre- defensively. It's, it's it's preseason and summer league. Different ball yeah, game he, now. No, it is. But I, I again, I, I really am excited to see what he can do defensively. 
Um, I because it's a team that's going to score. And what they did with Marvin Bagley now that he's out of the rotation, it's really setting the tone that we're defensively, we're defense, we're going defense first. Um, I like Rasheem Holmes at center. Mark, um, Bruce um, Harkless probably starting the power forward spot. It, little that concerns me a bit, but I, I think their backcourt has enough talent. You, they still got Buddy Heel too coming off the bench for now. We'll see how long he kind of stays, but. And then Terrence Davis, too, at the end of the year came on. He played really well towards the end of the year because he filled in for Fox for a while. And even Halbert got hurt. So I, I really like Terrence Davis, too, he coming off the bench. I, you know, the four, the, the depth, too, they like they have Tristan Thompson as backup center. We'll see. But I, I don't know how much time we're going to – we're much we're going to see Bagley. But – and even we do. Bagley last year offensively was good at times. He just cannot play any defense. So it's like if he can kind of figure himself out on the defensive end, I don't think he will with the Kings. I think it's pretty much a ball game over with him in the Kings. But I, I see this team, even though I cannot say Luke Walton, you know that. But um, yeah, I, I love the backcourt. I, I think it's a team that could score some points that they can get enough stops and Luke Walton can not be out coach for you know a ton. I could see this team sneaking in as the eight seed. I'm actually really excited to watch this King scene play. But you said it right there. Luke Walton's the head coach. And I just don't think with Luke, with this roster, it was the most talented and Luke Walton being the head coach. I don't think they're a playoff team, but we'll get to the, uh, we'll get to the, we'll get to the Eastern conference. Now we'll do who we think our top eight teams in each conference are going to be, who our playoff teams are going to be. And for me, number one is definitely is, is, is the, uh, is the Nets. I just still feel with Harden and, uh, and even if Kyrie's out with Harden and KD, they're going to figure it out. I think they're going to be number one. Number two, obviously, the Bucs defending NBA champions. I think they're clearly the second-best team in the Eastern Conference with, with Holiday, with, uh, with obviously Giannis, and with, uh, and with Middleton. I think they're clearly the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. The third, th- number three, I'm going, with the Mi- I'm going with the Miami Heat. I'm going with the Heat because I like the addition of Kyle Lowry. I like Bam, and I like Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra, a top coach. And that's, that's why I'm going with the Heat being number three. They were my sleeper to get to the NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference. Number four, I'm going with the team that lost in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Atlanta Hawks. I think Nate McMillan did a great job taking over for Lord, P, Lord Floyd Pierce in the second half of the season. That Trey Young is a top 15 player in this league. He's outstanding. And he and he and he got and he he was he was hurt at the end of that and at the end of the Western Conference Finals. And I think they got some good good guys around him with uh with uh with Bagdanovich, with uh with Capella, with John Collins, and with DeAndre Hunter. I think they got some good guys around him. That's why I got the Hawks the number uh the number three the number four seed. Number five, I'm still gonna go with the Sixers because I'm still gonna go with Doc. I'm still you know, I, I like I really like Joel Embiid. I really like uh I, I, I obviously like Tobias Harris. I like Doc, I, Doc Rivers isn't great in the postseason, but he's good in the regular season. I think they take a little bit. I definitely think they take a step back, but I still think they're a top five team in the Eastern Conference. Number six, I'm going with my Knicks. Yes, not as good as last year, but I still think they got a really good starting five. I really like they, they got Kemba Walker. They got, you know, R.J. Barrett. Evan Fournier is kind of sneak, kind of sneak, uh, kind of, you know, up and down. Uh, Julius Randle proved that he's a top 25 player in the league last year. Proved right he wasn't a great player in the postseason, but proved that he could be a really, really good number two. That's why they – but they do need R.J. Barrett to emerge if they want to be an NBA Finals contender. And, and obviously they got Mitchell Robinson at center too. So I got my Knicks as the number six seed in the Eastern Conference. Number seven, I got the Celtics. So I feel like the Celtics have absolutely no direction of where they're going. They got Dennis Schroeder. That's a downgrade to Kemba Walker. Uh, Tatum and Brown are, are, are really good. 
But the problem is, the, I think Smart's okay. But the problem is, I feel like I feel like they downgraded with their head coach losing Brad Stevens. I feel like this organization is just going sideways right now. That's why I got the number seven and number eight. I got the Hornets. That's why they're my sleeper playoff team. You know, with 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 Lamelo Ball, I think Lamelo Ball makes a makes a uh, makes a, a leap this year to being a top you know 30, 30 to 20, 25 to thirty player. And I think that you know the, the the surrounding the surrounding pieces of Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier are good pieces. So that's why I got the Hornets as, uh, as my, as my number eight seed, your top eight teams, Justin. My top eight teams. I'm going to actually go with the oh, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I like what I saw last night. I felt like even when they guys, you know, guys where Giannis was on the bench, I really liked how guys stepped up around them. They're going to be a little bit tougher this year. So I, you know, I don't think they'll run away with it. Like they, what they won the conference last year, by, you know, um, you know, I, I, there won't be much, but I still think they take that top seed. Number two, I got the Brooklyn Nets. Um, talented. Again, even without Kyrie, they're still a really good roster. Um, I did love the pick of Cam Thomas. I think he's a he was a great scorer at LSU. He just cannot play much defense. That's why he's such a late pick, but in poor shot selection at times. Hurt him as well, I feel like. But um, I, I think he's a guy that can come off the bench, score some points and for, for this Nets team if, you know, if they need some, um, I number three got the Miami Heat. One of you know one of my favorite organizations. I you know bringing Kyle out, Kyle Lowry. We'll see how that goes, but um, you know that could be a nice addition to another guy that's you know won a championship. You know, could Duncan Robinson bounce back this year and you know play better? And then um, Kendrick Nunn, could they get going too? Like you know, if those two can have bounce back years. Um, I, I really like this Heat team that make a run here. And, Bam out of bottom, especially defensively, really, really solid. Number four, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I still think they finished in the top half of the league with Embiid. You know, um, they still have Curry as well, um, Seth Curry. So I feel like that, you know, and uh, Tobias Harris is a, is a good um, good player as well. I think they're going to be able to score. I think they do finish in the first half, first half of the league. But, you know, number five, I have the Atlanta Hawks as my sleeper. I, uh, I think Young continues to make that step up, that that next step. Um, you know, Clint Capels. You know, they they have a they have a they have like a nice kind of roster there with Capello, Collins, Hunter, Reddish, You know, Bogdanovich, Lou Williams. So I think they have enough there. But I think they finish. You know, as the five seed. Um, my number six seed. I do have the Boston Celtics. I, that was close between them and the Knicks. Um, I you know that sense of direction. Yeah. So, problem right now with the Celtics, but I, you know, I can't pronounce a new coach's name, but I reading through things, you know, it sounded like, you know, fans are very, and, you know, kind of people follow the team, you know, the, the writers kind of liked what they saw from the coach in the preseason. I know we'll see what, you know, in the regular season now, but they do have Tatum and Brown um, there. I think, you know, those two kind of keep the, keep them into it. Um, they bring back Al Horford. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, with him and Robert Williams, if they could have some more depth at the center position, that was a huge problem last year at the center position. They have Enos, Enos Kanter as well. So I think the Celtics finished at six, seven died the New York Knicks. I'm really excited to see Kemba Walker come back to New York. Um, you still got D Rose. Can RJ Barrett again, take that next step? Evan Fourier. Um, he's a good shooter at times, other times, you know, he can't hit the ocean. You know, Mitchell Robinson, hopefully that he can stay healthy. I know that's kind of been the big thing for because I like him. I think he'd be a solid player in the NBA. He just has not been able to stay healthy. Randall, I think, you know, can he continue to make the next step? I think Knicks take a little bit step back because last year, you know, 
of how hard they were playing. You know, some teams think kind of took the night off and they, they played so hard for 82 games. I think that's why they kind of fell off there towards in, in the playoffs. But I think the Knicks find a way to make the playoffs. And then number eight, the Raptors is my team, super team to get in. Um, I like the roster. I think they have a much improved year from last year with bringing in Drogic. I like that better piece that they have. Fred Van Lee, I think Siakam plays better than he did last year. So I'll take the Toronto Raptors sneak in at the eight seed. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. We'll go over to the Western Conference, and I'll start with my number one seed is the Lakers. I just think there's too much talent on that team with with Westbrook, uh, AD, and LeBron. I know they lost last night, but there's too much talent there. Number two, I go the Nuggets. They're my sleeper to go to get to the NBA Finals. I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to take that next step. I think Jamal Murray is going to stay healthy. I think that's a that's a top big three with Murray, uh, Joke Murray, Jokic, and uh, Porter Porter Jr. Number three, I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns, the defending Western Conference champs. I think that Devin Booker is a top 15 player in this league. Clearly, he proved that last year. DeAndre Ayton, he's only going to get better at center. And I think Chris Paul, his leadership is going to help the Suns win. He's, he's out of his, not in his prime, but his leadership is going to help the Suns win regular season games. Number four, I'm going to go with the Jazz. I really like their, their, their starting five with, with Donovan Mitchell, uh, Mike Connolly, uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, they got Joe Ingles, and they got Joe Ingles, uh, and then they got uh, they got uh, Jordan Clarkson come off the bench, the sixth man of the year. So I like the Jazz, number four. Number five, I like the Mavs. Luka's just phenomenal, he, he, an MVP candidate. The issue there, though, is who's what's going to happen around Luka Doncic because they really didn't improve this team that much around Luka, and the issue is they downgraded a head coach with Jason. Rick Carlisle's a better coach than Jason Kidd, so they downgraded there. So that's why I have the Mavs, number five. Number six, I got the Warriors. I think this team could be number two, but I just don't trust how good Clay Thompson is going to be coming back from that injury. So I think that, but the Warriors, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they, if they win, they, they, they would be, they were second. It, they were the other, they were team I would have picked if I didn't pick the Nuggets to be that sleeper team to come out of the Western Conference. Number seven, I got the Clippers. I just think Kawhi is going to miss too much time. And in a deep Western Conference, that's really going to hurt them. And number eight, I got the Timberwolves just because of their top end talent with, you know, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and, uh, and uh, D'Angelo Russell. Justin, your top eight in the West. My top eight, I have Utah finishing number one again. I think with Mitchell, um, you know, I think Don Mitchell, you know, I, I like the talent they have, Rudy Gobert, um, Bogdanovich, um, you know, Conley coming back as well. I, I like Utah, and I think they finished first again in that division. Um, it's a division two, I guess, you know, um, I think they should be able to kind of win that division you know, they, without, you know, Murray for most of the year, um, you know, Portland, I don't know, you know, outside of McCollum and, you know, Lily Allen ton, but I think Utah finds a way to get the one seed once again. Uh, my number two seed, I do have the Phoenix Suns getting back there. Um, I really think Devin Booker is going to take another step forward. Um, the Aiden stuff now, DeAndre Aiden, with the contract, we'll see how that kind of unfolds. But with Chris Paul, um, with Bridges, if he kind of be more consistent, I really like this – the Suns team, I think they have another chance. I think they have a chance to get back to the um, NBA Finals again and fight for another crown. Number three, the Lakers. I just, uh, you know, LeBron's hurt a ton last year. 80s always had the injury problems. Russell Westbrook, I just, I'm not a big fan of. So, I, on paper, they're very talented and they have some depth there, but I just don't trust that those, you know, LeBron AD right now can stay healthy for 82 games and. You know, Russell Westbrook's not a great scorer. We know that. So I, I have him down there as number three. Number four, I have the Denver Nuggets. I think they could they could definitely be higher up there. I just, uh, you know, how are they going to do without Murray for the first half of the year or for most of the year, I guess. So 
Um, with Jokic, I think coming off the MVP year, I think he plays well again. Porter, I think, has a bigger role for this team. Um, I, I think the Nuggets do finish in the top half. Number five, I do have the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, they haven't really proved much around Luka Doncic. I'm not a big Jason Kidd fan as a coach. We'll see how that goes. And what's going on with Porzingis? You know, can he stay on the floor? Is he is he happy now in Dallas? I just there's some question marks there for the Dallas Mavericks that I just don't really know. Number six is Golden State. I wanted to put Golden State there at number five, but I just don't know. We haven't really seen Clay Thompson in what two? It's gonna be two and a half years. Like I don't know what we're gonna get out of him. Curry's even had to battle some injuries in the last few years. I think they they're at a point where they have some talent around those two where it, they're both hurt. You know, they 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 have some guys that can kind of keep them above water, but who knows how much? So I think the Warriors do get find a way to get to six seed. Number seven is, uh, is um, the Clippers. Yeah, without Kawhi. Like, is there any – like, I'm never – I don't hear anything on Kawhi injury, Kawhi's injury. Like, I probably going to be most of the year, it sounds like. But, um, you know, Clippers haven't really got much better. I think without him, you know, I think they're going to struggle for most part of the year. I think they still do have enough talent to find a way to get in the playoffs. But – I think they're down there at seven seed, but if Kawhi can go back for the playoffs, I think they're a dangerous seven seed. And then number eight, I do have my Sacramento Kings. I like her off. I like the backcourt. Um, I, I like the I, I like the pieces that we've gotten, and I feel like we're starting to finally kind of have a direction. Not a big Harrison Barnes fan for how much we're paying him, twenty five million, but you know last year he's a sixteen scored sixteen points a game, not bad. Um, if the Kings could slow down teams because they could score points last year. They just could not stop anybody. If they could stop some teams and be able to hope like 100, 110, 150 points like they did last year, I think they have a chance to find a way to get that eight seed and finally break the 15-year run of the playoff draw. All right, we'll wrap up talking about who our MVP and our Rookie of the Year are. It's been because pretty obviously the Rookie of the Year is going to be. We got Kate Cunningham. I think he's clearly the best, the best guy coming out of this draft class. And then my my MVP is Luka Doncic. I think he's just phenomenal, and I think he's even going to take it to another level this year. The problem is, is they don't have as good of a head coach and enough guys. I feel like enough top guys around him for him to for him to get to to get to an NBA Finals. Yeah, um, my rookie year, Kate Cunningham, I, yeah, I think he's going to win it, especially with the Pistons team that they don't have a ton of talent around. Like, I like Jeremiah Grant that they have and um, Sadiq Bay. Like, I think um, they have some talent. I think he could put up some big numbers for the Pistons. I know he's going to be hurt tonight. He's going to be out. But um, I think he would be a really, you know, um, you know, big night um, for Kate Cunningham. Because they, uh, but other than that, they don't have a ton of roundup. So I, I think he's going to put up a lot of points and, um, be, be the rookie of the year. I have Devin Booker. Um, the last two winners are old, 25 years old. They became like America's sweetheart and during that playoff run. So I feel like that could mean something maybe to the MVP voting that so kind of fresh of what the Suns did last year. Um, you know, now I know the assists, he may not get a ton of assists because they have Chris Paul and Chris Paul, one of the best distributors, but Booker gets double teamed a lot. So I, so if he gets, you know, he can dish it out to somebody and they can hit an open shot. I feel like his assists could go up. I think he only averaged like four last year, four or five. Um, he didn't have a ton. Of, not the greatest rebound either, but I feel like the Suns finished in top half again. I think he could be a real consideration to win MVP this year. All righty. That'll do it for our NBA season preview. We got week eight of the college football season. Before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media.
The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. So, as we've been talking about Ed Orgeron being gone at LSU, it's now official. He is going to be gone at LSU at the end of the season as uh, as he, he they, they, him and LSU will be parting ways at the end of the year. But, Justin, I want to ask you this question. Why are they agreeing to part ways? Well, you know, I think this stems back, you know, um, to, you know, two years ago when they won the national title. You know, that team was such a big outlier. You know, he was never ever a coordinator coming up. Um, always a defensive line coach. Um, it just never really seems like after they really bought into him or, you know, the coach staff doesn't even seem like they're buying into him with what I've been reading. Um, he handled the, in, you know, the social injustice, not very good, you know, to the players that, you know, he went on Fox news, uh, two summers, or, you know, the summer of, uh, 2020 and kind of, you know, was talking about, you know, how Donald Trump was doing a good job in office, he felt like. And, and the players really kind of, you know, didn't, and that didn't sit well in the locker room with a lot of the guys. And I think that's kind of where it all begins is right there. It, and one of his players kind of, you know, has said, like, he's a good man, but is just blind to everything else. And, uh, you know, I, again, I think he's, you know, a good guy. I just don't think he's, you know um, – you know, I, I again, I and he just kind of just hasn't been able to figure out some of the other problems. You know, he's you know, there's been a report too of he, you know, he's he brought his like girlfriend's kids to practice and they're participating in drills. And it's like you're coaching a college team, it, it can't be happening. You know, he's he, you know, he's there's been pictures released of him taking pictures with girls in the hotel room. Like, he just, you know, it just kind of seems like the fame has, you know, has gotten to him. He just hasn't, you know. It, it, the fame has kind of got to him. It's just, you know, and then Bo Pelini last year, he actually admitted after he fired him, I called him and offered him the job. No interview. And you saw by that defense was last year. That was atrocious. You could see the effort defensively this year. And, you know, and I'm not sure how, how, you know, and I, you know, have read from writers who are in that lot, you know, who, you know, write for the program kind of say like some of these injuries are not as bad as, as they make it out to be like, it's just, it seems like some guys are just don't want to play and they're kind of just, you know, saying, saying injured. So it's just, it's a total mess. And you could, and Saturday's game was insane because of, well, Florida, I think beat themselves more, but their offense averaged, I think two yards a game against power five teams or two rushing yards against power five teams won that game. They ran for over 300 yards. So again, I just, you know, um, the buy-in just wasn't there. I don't think anymore. Um, it, it's a program that, you know, again, it just, the, this expectation just went through the roof and they have not played well since they're nine and eight since they're just, they just, the, the buy-in, I think they're just not there. It was not there anymore. And you could really tell that on the field, the effort, especially in all of the place was just not very good. We'll go to LSU's game this week as they face Ole Miss. And I think this is a game that Ole Miss covers. Matt Corral and Ole Miss, they cover and beat the Tigers by two scores. 
Matt Corral actually may not play according to Lane Kiffin. Um, he oh, really? ran the ball 30 times, and he said he's pretty banged up right now. So Ed Orgeron made it sound like he that, that could just be Lane Kiffin's smokescreen. I don't really know. I think we'll miss Cup wins if he doesn't play. It could be John Reese Plumley who ran for almost, for ran for 212 yards a couple years ago, 2019 against LSU. They put up some points in that game. He moved the wide receiver, so I don't. So he's got the most experience. We'll see. If not, if Matt Crowell does play, I think they do win this thing by two scores. Eli Manning's number will be retired on a Saturday in Oxford, and they're also painting the end zones with uh, Manning. And nice, of course, too. They're pulling out all the socks because uh. Archie, Archie Manning will be on a visit too. So they're, nice. they're going on all the, uh, all the stops for Ole Miss. Nice. Um, and for Lane, Lane too, could be, uh, Lane could be additioning too for the LSU job because Scott Woodward, the athletic director, you know, is going to be there. Um, and I could, and Lane Kiffin, I think is going to be a high candidate up on that list of guys that he wants. So I could see Lane Kiffin pulling out some trick plays and, putting it on LSU if possible to kind of um, for his first kind of interview type of interview for this job here. So I, I think LSU, if Matt Corral, or if Ole Miss went, if Matt Corral plays Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss is going to put up a lot of points, and I think LSU's going to have a rough time stopping them. We got number 10, Oregon, going to UCLA th- this week, and I don't get why uh, UCLA is a uh, UCLA is a favorite. I don't get that at all. I think Oregon, I think it's a close game, but I think Oregon beats uh, Chip Kelly's. I, be, I think uh, Chip Kelly doesn't get revenge against his former team. So yeah, not seen much Ducks football lately. I'm assuming. Uh, no, they, no, no, no. I haven't seen not, much Ducks football. They have. They have not played very well since the Ohio State game. Now the Stanford game, they probably should have got a win. They, they, it was a terrible call at the end of the game. Cal had eight tries from the ten yard line last week to win that game. Eight plays, and they could not punch it in the end zone to win the game last week against Oregon. Um, you know, they, they struggled for a while in Arizona. You know, they, you know, is one of the two winless, two or three winless teams left right now in the FBS. They struggled against them. I think UCLA is going to be able to run the ball against them. Oregon's two is just so banged up. Um, Travis dies out for the remainder of the year. I mean, um, CJ Verdell's out, their other running back. He's out for the year. Linebacker wise, they're still pretty banged up out front. It's just, you know, they haven't been playing great. They've been banged up. Um, I had, in six and seven games, UCLA has ran for at least 198 yards. I think they're able to do this in this game. Oregon's been much better in the fourth quarter. They're outscoring teams 72 to 31 in the fourth quarter. But I, I you know, UCLA knocked them off last year in the upset, of, you know, up in the zoo. But I know there's no fans. I think UCLA finds a way to get it done this week at home, 31 27. We got a Big 12 matchup, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. And I think, I think in this game, I think that, uh, I think I think this is I think that Oklahoma State they're not even favored they're a seven point underdog but I think they pull the upset I think I feel like it's Oklahoma State's year I feel they're kind of a team of destiny with Mike Gundy and I got them pulling the upset over Iowa State. I actually got Iowa State. I Oklahoma State yeah they went to Texas last week and won but Casey Thompson was driving late in that half to go up twenty four to three and he threw a pick six and then it was all of a sudden for Texas oh boy here we go again they really didn't play well that second half they kind of you know after a while or. After the second half, you kind of just see confidence level went down for um, Texas again. They didn't play well in the second half. So, I, and I thought that was more to do with Texas than it was Oklahoma State. They took advantage of it. But Spencer Sanders is not very good. I And I, I like Brock Purdy more than Spencer Sanders. Brock Purdy has been playing well even over the last two games against Kansas, Kansas State. Brees Hall is coming out of an almost 197-yard rushing 
game against Kansas. I think Iowa State gets his one at home. Iowa State's been really good stopping the run. That's what Oklahoma State likes to do. I think Spencer Sanders makes two or three mistakes in this game. And I'll take the Cyclones to get the upset 24-20. We got Clemson heading up to Pittsburgh to play Pitt. And Kenny Pickett's been playing really well for, for Pittsburgh. 20, 21 touchdowns, one pick. And I think Pittsburgh wins this game. I'm going with the better quarterback. I think Pitt stays undefeated in the ACC and beats Clemson by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm with you. I got uh, – Pittsburgh 2, 27-20. Uh, Clemson's coming out the bye last week, and they still cannot fix their offense. So it, it ain't getting fixed. And I don't know if you saw any of that game last Friday, but DJ Uyelungale, he just looks broken, no confidence, just, you know, took way too much time in the, in the pocket last week. Just, you know, not – you know, um, it just, you know, it just kind of just looks broken. It just – it's unfortunate because, again, I think he's got a lot of talent, but – um, they're not putting – they just kind of just run vertical routes and just hope for the best, and that really is not working right now for them. They just lost another running back to transfer portal. So, I, you know, Pittsburgh's going to get after you defensively. You know, Clemson's offensive line's not great. If DJ holds on the ball too long, I think Pittsburgh could have – they already have 20 sacks in the year. I could see them having three to four in this game. Um, yeah, Kenny Pickett's been unbelievable. I think he's a dark horse for the Heisman. Somebody that's not really being talked about at all. Um, the fifth-year senior, Pat Narduzzi's team, they've struggled to run the football, which is crazy, and their passing tax has been unbelievable. Their defense, too, has been playing really well. Um, this is, you know, Pittsburgh offense, I think, does enough in this game. And they upset uh, Clemson a few years ago, that wild uh, 41-38 game back in Death Valley 2016, I believe. But um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh right now. Clemson's just not a very good football team offensively. But defensively, their their team is great, but I just – up front, missing two All-Americans. I just don't see them beating Pitt. Big Ten matchup in Bloomington as Ohio State faces Indiana, and I think this is a blowout. I think I'm going Ohio State, and I'm going Ohio State by three or four scores. I think they win big. C.J. Stroud has a big game. I don't care who plays quarterback for Indiana. They're going to struggle. I got Ohio State going into the Penn State game with one loss. Yeah, this uh, I got Ohio State 41-17. This round Robin starting next week, but in the Big Ten East, this is going to be a very – very fun to watch those. Uh, huge, huge week in the Big Ten East next week. Yeah. 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 Huge week. Uh, huge week in the Big Ten East. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even the whole month of November, those teams all going to get to beat up on each other. Um, I got Ohio State big 41-17. Indiana, I thought they moved the ball against Michigan State, but they kicked three field goals. They got one touchdown. They should have beat. I thought they played better than Michigan State last week, but Ohio State against the secondary. CJ Trout's last two games, 10 interceptions on – Ten, I mean, 10 touchdowns or interceptions. Um, they're coming off a bye as well. I don't think it's a look ahead. I think Ohio State buries them big. They struggled with them last year. They got to Justin Fields. But right now, Indiana, I, I think, it just is really struggling right now. I see Ohio State winning this game big. We got a, a rivalry, one of the biggest rivalries in college football in South Bend this week as USC heads to South Bend to face Notre Dame. But an interim head coach is not beating Brian Kelly. That's why I got Notre Dame winning it by two scores. I think USC keeps this thing close in this game. I got 31-27. Again, you never know what USC is going to show up. And their three losses, they've given up. Their defense given up 44 points. And their three wins, they've given up 11. So I just don't know where you're going to get. Drake London, one of the top wide receivers in the country. He's got 64, touch, or 64 catches already, um, five or six touchdowns. He's been unbelievable. Your Both teams, you're going to see both quarterback Jack Cohen is going to start for Nordine. Um For USC, Jackson Dart, their backup, if he's healthy enough, you're going to see him on the field with Keenan Slovis, but if not, um, he won't play. But 
Nordane, I think, is able to do enough. They should have their tight end, Michael uh, Bayer, their big tight end that they love uh, target to. I think he should he should be available in this game. I think USC keys are close to the rivalry game, but I got to take the Irish at home on a Saturday night. I don't see them losing to USC team. You just don't know what to expect. NC State and Miami, and I think NC State wins this game easily. Miami's just having a really, really rough year. Yeah, I got NC State 34-17. Manny Diaz, he was hired at Temple, and two weeks later, Miami thought that this guy was going to be the next great thing, and they you know, grabbed him back from Temple, fourth Mark Rick to leave or retire, and and it's he's probably going to lose his job at the end of the year. Three, I get, yeah, NC State 34-17. NC State with their two-headed monster with um, Zanger Knight and Ricky um, Parson Jr., I think they do whatever they want. Devin Leary, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. I think he does what he has to do in this game. Derek King's out for the year, so it is the retro freshman quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke from Glassbury. Um, my brother actually played against him in youth football, um, but we'll we'll see how he does. I, he's kind of he got better in the scene after Virginia game. He played better. They got he gave him an opportunity to win. They just you know Manny Diaz played for the field goal and they. Missed the field goal, but I think NC State's defense has been unbelievable. They've been giving up 13 points a game. They've only allowed one rushing touchdown. I don't think uh, Miami's be able to do a lot in this game. I got NC State winning the same thing. All righty, so that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, who did a great job. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the World Series, Week 9 of the college football season, and Week 8 of the NFL season. Have a great weekend, everyone. Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man, and great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.